Alright, creatures of the night, welcome to Talking Taker, episode 166 of our encyclopedic exploration, digging up the career of the greatest professional wrestling character of all time, The Undertaker. My name is Alex Dorio, I want to thank you for joining us for yet another round of Dead Man Talking, and I am joined, as always, by my tag team partner, my wrestling buddy. He is the Beast Master. He is the Beast from the East Man Chemical Plant. He is <laughs> Mr. Travis White. Travis, I got good news and bad news tonight, man. The, uh, oh, man. the bad news, of course... We are hitting a very sad milestone on our podcast, a uh, terribly, terribly upsetting moment, a controversial moment. We are hitting the tragic end of the streak at WrestleMania 30, Undertaker versus Brock Lesnar. But the good news tonight, folks, is our episode is sponsored by Jimmy John's. Jimmy John's (laughs) Freaky Fast Delivery. Can't wait to get my... uh, uh, Bootlegger Club and Jimmy Chips and uh, Pickles and Cookie Man is on the way. Should be here in the next five minutes. You know, Jimmy John's was ahead of the like quarantine curve, man. They're all about like speedy delivery. Like, no doubt. Way back in the day, man. They just they saw it coming. They maybe they have to run the country. <laughs> maybe things would be better. Like Chick Fil A, if Chick Fil A and Jimmy John's ran the country, I just mean any politics. We'll see. <laughs> um, I'm not choosing sides there, but. You know what, man? 
uh, Beastmaster. Do you know what his name was? The character, Beastmaster? I have no idea. His name was Dar, and you called me T-Bar, so now you could call me T-Dar, and I'd be the Beastmaster. Wow. <laughs> it's like two two people listening who are going to understand any of that. Well, I've got Kodo and Poto here, and we're ready to go, man. My little pet ferrets. All right. Sure. <laughs> Solve the rails already. Yeah, well, good. It, it needs to be because we need to try to have some fun here because this is obviously um, a, a sad, I, I, don't, I don't know any other word to say it, man, a sad moment in the career of The Undertaker, a moment uh, many, many fans thought would never happen, uh, a moment six years later that many, many fans still think should not have happened. And we'll get into that. Uh, we'll cover all the angles of it uh the who what where when and why we'll cover all of the shocked reactions we'll tell you what it was like uh when we were reacting to it live we have some fans who were there live on the scene that we'll get to talk about so this is going to be a fun one here folks we're, we're going to try to make it fun at least try to look at the positives and and see how it looks truly examining everything here six years later uh so, yeah man so I was gonna say, yep. like, it's, it, like this is probably Aside from his debut, and then maybe the debut of his brother Kane, this may be like the next like most monumental thing as far as the character. You know, like it's just the biggest like thing to happen. Sure, a lot of stuff happened in between, but like his debut, his brother's debut, and how you know integral that was, and then now this man. Like I don't know, maybe the American BA, like the shifting character, will be another one. But like this is just like a linchpin in his, you know, history as we, you know, recall his whole entire story here. So I don't know. It's just, it's a big, big deal. Like it's a, it's a huge deal. <laughs> you could make the case. Perhaps this is the, in the conversation for top three WrestleMania moments of all time. Uh, yes. Maybe, maybe second to Hogan body slamming Andre, maybe even above that, uh, you might could argue that case. So it, it is certainly not just historic and monumental in the career of The Undertaker, but just in the timeline of the WWE, mm -hmm. which is something we've talked about throughout the history of the show. We're tracing the history uh, of the WWE mm -hmm. through this through this era, not just the career of The Undertaker, because they both intersect. But uh, you know, before this we get is our all generations, Hogan Andre. Exactly. That's, that's something we're going to talk about yeah. here later on in the show. And I think that's one of the reasons why they wanted to have this moment. But uh, we'll get there. Uh, before that, we're going to cover something a little bit lighter, a little bit more fun. Another one of those weird uh, what might have been moments. You know, had things worked out a little bit differently as we take our time traveling hearse back to 2013 raw on april 8th 2013 we'll pick up after a fantastic show stealing match between the undertaker and cm punk at wrestlemania 29 a match that showed the undertaker yeah maybe he still got a lot more gas left in the tank uh, than, than people might have thought after that end of an era match, possibly kick-starting a new generation, a new era of his career here. Uh, and he's going to come out, have a little victory speech on this episode of Raw. He's going to address the post-WrestleMania crowd. And, man, you talk about post-WrestleMania crowds. This is one of the greatest of all time. Uh, yeah. Everybody remembers this night as the night Dolph Ziggler cashed in Money in the Bank. Sure. 
Uh, just one of the all-time best crowd reactions anywhere ever that you'll ever hear. The peak of Dolph Ziggler's career, hands down. Yep. Man. Yep. 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 Big night. I love that. Love that reaction. It's just, it's you don't hear stuff like that anymore, man. Nah, and uh, it's the night that uh, Fandangoing became a thing there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Went viral before viral was really a thing. Uh, just it's a wild night, and this moment here is pretty wild too. Undertaker's given his victory speech. He dedicates the match last night and the win, of course, to Paul Bearer. But before he can really say too much about it, we hear him interrupted by not quite music, it's words. It's the words Sierra, Hotel, India, Echo, Lima, Delta, Shield. So this was their MO during this time. The Shield come out through the crowd, interrupting people, attacking people. Uh, you, know, you know, as soon as you heard those words, oh, it's going down. This is, exactly. this is big time. And them coming out for the big dog, for The Undertaker, you're sitting there at home or in the crowd going like, oh my goodness. Oh yeah. <laughs> They've never gone this big before. So it's Roman Reigns, it's Dean Ambrose, it's uh, Seth Rollins. They circled The Undertaker, getting ready to attack him. But here comes the Calvary. <laughs> it's Daniel Bryan <laughs> and Kane. <laughs> Drove me nuts, man. Drove me nuts. <laughs> Michael Cole actually says that yet again. Here comes the Calvary as uh, Kane's pyro hits and Team Hell No run out to make the save for Taker. Uh, crowd loves it. They're going crazy as they uh, looks like the Shield's gonna attack, but then they kind of pull back and live to fight another day. Uh, so a tease for something more going on there. Like it was just such a big deal because the night before they had defeated three guys who, unfortunately, Sheamus is probably a Hall of Famer. Uh, big Show obviously is, and Randy Orton is doing in twenty twenty the best work of his entire career somehow. But um, anyway, just they haven't been defeated since they debuted at Survivor Series. They've been pushed to the moon, unstoppable. Like you said, like something big always happens when they're on this the scene, and they don't really have a like an end game it doesn't seem they just go after anybody you know so uh pretty cool man and so you know i don't know what this was going to lead to or not but we'll see well as we continue to break it down here so later on on that that in the end of that week smackdown of april 12th uh brian and kane defeat the primetime players and after the match the shield come on the tron and dean says that standing next to taker must have raised k's excuse raised kane's spirits easy for me to say and he says you know I hope that you didn't mistake our tactics as a sign of a weakness. We're not afraid. We didn't back down. We know when and where we're going to strike. You know, believe in the shield. And so later on, the shield lay out 3MB, and then Brian and Kane make the save, and the shield retreat again to hopefully strike another day. And then just almost the same type of thing on Raw the next week. We get a graphic telling us that next week we're going to get the Bros of Destruction and Daniel Bryan versus the shield in London. So... Uh, the Shield actually wound up laying out Cena with a triple power bomb at the end of the night, too. So, again, they're going after all the big dogs here, all the big names here. So, trying to make heck, a name for themselves. Heck of a tease right there for a six-man tag. That's a huge, yeah. huge advertisement there for the next week's episode of Raw. As they, uh, the Shield promoted again on SmackDown on April 19th, doing one of those 
signature backstage promos where they're they're holding the camera. Yeah, uh, and it just just again, uh, they did such a great job giving them a unique look, a unique feel to everything they just did. Just like Taker has, just like Undertaker like had. Like, yeah. Yep. It, it it's like how the NWO was when they first debuted and Mm -hmm. everything they did was so different than everything else you saw. That's how the shield was too. Mm -hmm. So they're talking about their beat down on John Cena from Monday night raw. And then they move on to their next opponent to the undertaker. And they say that they saw fear in the dead man's eyes, uh, the night after WrestleMania, he was scared to death and he was never more relieved to see Kane and Daniel Bryan. And they say undertaker may be undefeated at WrestleMania but they, the Shield, are undefeated, period. Uh, which was another reason why they were so over, because they yeah. just did not lose. They yep. had six-man tags every week, and they never lost, no matter what combo you put up against them. Uh, they say on Monday they'll prove the Undertaker is not immortal. Rollins says it's time to push Undertaker out. And then Roman Reigns gets in a great line that I'm sure they didn't quite know would be such great foreshadowing, but it works out perfectly as he says, Hounds of justice run this yard now. Big dog. Believe in the shield. Believe that, dead man. So, a tease yep. without ever knowing it for WrestleMania right. <laughs> 33. Very, very cool moment in hindsight. Yeah, yeah, it really was, man. And uh, I, that wasn't lost on me going back and watching this either, you know. It was pretty pretty neat to see that. Um, well, that brings us to uh, Raw on April 22nd, 2013. Hey, I, couldn't, I couldn't tell where this episode of Raw took place, Travis. Where, did, oh, were, you yeah. able to, were you able to notice anything? Well, I was able to uh, deduce where it took place. Uh, yeah? I, it tipped, tipped me off with the phone booth and the, oh. the double-decker or the old-timey car. Yeah, this is... I this thought maybe it was the uh, seven thousand foot flags that were draped. Giant <laughs> flags. Yeah. No, yeah, this was in the UK, and you can tell uh, because they have all the just UK staples there. It's like, oh, okay, obviously we know where we are tonight. So, but um, yeah, but this man talk about the shield getting some um, some production, and they arrive in a freaking helicopter, dude. Come in a helicopter yes. and then hop in and as like an uh, like a Range Rover or a Land Rover or something like a a high top dollar SUV and make their way to the arena and like that is just that is superb man that is great stuff just for like, a random episode of Raw it's not yes, like not it? WrestleMania or a pay per view at all it's right just episode of Raw it's great yeah it come, it's awesome man and um. Later on, again, we see one of their cool, their their unique promos, you know, backstage. And again, we're we know we're gonna get this big six man tag tonight, and it's it's gonna be Taker's first Raw match in three years. So, uh, but Ambrose says for twenty years, Taker's been the judge, jury, and executioner in WWE, and he decided who was guilty and would sentence his victims to rest in peace. But no one's been able to stop him till now. These days, the shield is the law. We're the judge, jury, and executioner. We make the rules. We hand out the sentences. And he says, Taker will know what justice tastes like for the first time in his career. Then later on, of course, we get, you know, believe in the shield as Reigns ends that. So, um, and then Kane and Daniel Bryan are talking backstage. And Bryan's like wanting to go over strategy, but he's like, you know, where is he? Where's Taker? <laughs> and uh, Kane's like, don't worry about it, you know, because when we're together, the brothers destruction are together. Like, we can't be beat, you know, we, we got it. And Brian's like, yeah, but the Shield are undefeated. And he's like, can you just call him? 
And Kane's like, uh, he doesn't he doesn't carry a cell phone, which, as you pointed out in your notes, is not entirely true. <laughs> he was talking to Vince back in the Ministry yeah. of Darkness days. He had that little flip phone, man, when they were, uh, I don't remember who they were kidnapping or what they were doing, but he had his, yeah. he had his phone on him, bro. <laughs> he did. Talking he did. about. He had one in he the uh, 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 Biker Taker days, too, I believe. <clears throat> yes, well. he did. He and did. we know oh, yeah, Kane. Kane has one. He was calling Halle Berry a couple weeks exactly. ago. Too. <laughs> yeah. Maybe that's why Brian asked him if he could call him. He knows he's got a phone. So. They're on a family plan together, man. Probably are. They're brothers of destruction family plan. So, uh, so yeah. Well, um, uh, they go back and forth about, you know, it's again, this is the, this is the beginnings of this team just being the most entertaining thing on Raw. They're just so amazing. And, um, just their comedic timing and their unintentional comedy was just so funny. And like Daniel Bryan's always about to laugh in every scene with him. It's it's so funny, man. But they're going back and forth about strategy and Well he needs to be here because I came up with a great game plan for tonight. First, I'm gonna start the match. Dan, then... wait, wait. The Undertaker does not take orders. But I have diagrams. Diagrams! What is with you tonight? Is this because we haven't hugged in a while? Daniel, if I get The Undertaker, you have to promise not to show him diagrams. And whatever you do, do not try to give him a hug. Daniel Bryan's got diagrams he wants to pull out. And this game's like, we're not using diagrams. And he's like, okay, are you mad at me because we haven't hugged it out in a while? And they just, it's just, it's so funny man i just really dug uh going back and watching it but suddenly they become they get attacked and you assume it's the shield because the camera falls on the ground and you see the you know black boots walk by so pretty sure it's the shield you know um luckily they didn't like pick the camera up and show that it was him it was kind of cool as a yeah. um, you know a show don't tell type thing but mm-hmm. anyway later on taker's gonna make his gong's gonna hit and he makes his entrance first for like I said, the first uh, Raw match he's had in three years, but there's no Daniel Bryan, no Kane coming out due to the ambush. So he's going to start this match off solo, basically, because the Shield are going to come down um, through the through the, uh, uh, the the bleachers or whatever the the arena, like you know, down through the fans, which is always again just like you said, something that set them apart from everybody else. Man, uh, they're so good. But the UK is all over these yes chants, man. This is when it's really. Uh, so getting high. put over yeah. so high, yeah. He's gonna be the b- biggest, you know, thing in the company pretty soon. And uh, you know, the, the, the shields kind of surround the ring, and, and they're getting ready to go after Taker. And then Kane and Daniel Bryan make their way out, and it is just absolute chaos. The crowd's erupting, and they're just loving it. And it is uh, matches every six man match with the Shield was phenomenal. But something about having Daniel Bryan in there with them. I don't know if it's because, I guess, what, three of them would be Ring of Honor guys. You know, Bryan, Rollins, and Ambrose was in there for a little bit, I think. But uh, anyway, just they were just incredible. The chemistry was just oh, phenomenal. Man. Daniel Bryan getting just, a hot tag and just coming in and yes. going nuts and diving through the ropes and yes. hitting clotheslines and drop. I mean, he would normally, you'd think he'd be the guy that would like be like in peril the whole time, but he did such a good right. job coming in off the hot tag and, and making did. the save, man. It's 
Ah, that they could do no wrong. Every no. single week, whatever combo you had in mm-hmm. there was just uh, man. It, it was it was a great time to be a fan. You know, you were excited oh, yeah, every week was, to yeah. see who they were going to face. Absolutely. Even the ones they had with like Ryback in it and stuff. Those mm-hmm. matches were great too, man. They mm-hmm. just they were always good. But like you said, you Dan Bryan's in for most of this match actually, and uh, Rollins is taunting Taker and. Taker actually gets pretty ticked off on the on the you know apron. He actually does a throat slash back at Rollins, but he does he Taker of course tag team specialist. He gets a hot tag and just runs through the shield, man, almost single handedly. Just they're bumping and feeding all over the oh, ring yeah. for him. Hits the moves of doom, but he actually winds up eating a spear. And then Michael Cole made another flubby dub here. He calls <laughs> he says Kane is the half brother of the Undertaker, which again I think. I'm sorry, no, I'm sorry, he doesn't make a flubby dub. He, I'm sorry, he last he week we right. talked about how he, yeah. he said it was his stepbrother. Tonight, mm. he does actually correctly call it. So I do want to, mm. yeah, he, he corrected himself since from last week's episode, or okay. two weeks ago. Episode. So yeah, he takes that flubby dub back away. So We'll give, it, give to it to him. Yeah. yeah. Um, but then uh, the Bros Destruction take down Rollins and Reigns on the outside, and Ambrose covers, and, and you know they're still undefeated. Uh, so D- Daniel Bryan takes the pinfall, and... Taker is ticked off as the shield exits the crowd, and they're just, you know, you can tell the story's not over yet. So there's gonna be there's gonna be more. And it continues on SmackDown, April 26, 2013, uh, again from London. So I guess Undertaker and Michelle wanted to take a European tour uh, this <laughs> this year in 2013 yeah. before he goes on vacation, um, working vacation, if you will. But uh, the Shield are backstage again. They talk about justice prevailing on Monday night. But the true injustice is that Undertaker escaped Raw with his soul intact. But not for long. Uh, Ambrose says they did what they said they would do on Monday night. But he doesn't feel total satisfaction. And that's because the Undertaker is still walking and breathing. So he's going to do what no one has done in 21 WrestleManias. He's going to beat The Undertaker. And Seth Rollins says Undertaker will not rest in peace. Rain says he will believe in the shield. That leads to the main event of the night. Dean Ambrose versus The Undertaker. Which I remember reading the spoilers for this. Yeah. And like my jaw hitting the floor. Like that's crazy. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. Obviously Dean Ambrose is a multi-time world champion nowadays in multiple companies but he'd been on the WWE roster for six months at this point mm-hmm. like i mean that just shows you how hot the shield was the undertaker yeah. in his first uh singles match on tv in three years is going to be facing off against this guy against dean ambrose yep. man and i remember you and i both like i mean and everyone did but like we definitely thought dude this guy is a star like immediately. oh yeah yeah he he was the one. Just as quick aside about the shield, uh, they all had their little their little role to play. I loved Rollins. He was like the Jeff Hardy ish type guy. You know, he had the skunk hair and kind of did the high flying stuff. Range you could tell was going to be something, but you know he didn't have as much experience. But he didn't need to. He didn't talk much. He just hit hard and like his his slogan now like wreck everyone and leave. That's what he did back then. You know, it was awesome. But then Ambrose had it all, man. He had the that quirky Brian Pillman-ish, uh, Mick Foley, the way he the way he talked, uh, the way he'd give promos like Roddy Piper, and just had that something just different about him, man, to set him off from everybody else. And he was my guy I was drawn to the most. I thought this guy's going to be world champ before anybody, before the other two. And uh, I was wrong. But, uh, yeah, like you said, he's a great, 
he's great. But yeah, I think that's why he was the one chosen for this match, you know, because he had what well, I, I assume maybe Vince had handpicked him like this is going to be my guy. And it turns out it was Reigns and Rollins first. But um, anyway, he got to the he got to the top of the mountain last, which is kind of funny. It is, but but he did still get there, and they were all, oh, of yeah. course, huge stars. And that's why they worked so well, because they all filled a, a very different, unique mm-hmm. role on that team. That's why they gelled together so well. But uh, Ambrose does get to be the star tonight as he takes on Undertaker in a singles match. Michael Cole makes a really good point, actually. He says, Taker is going to be going it alone tonight because Kane and Daniel Bryan are on the Raw tour. So they are not even in the building tonight. <laughs> yeah. So uh, sucks for Undertaker. He doesn't have any friends there. And The Shield, obviously, all three of them are there. Um, and this is not not quite a squash, but a pretty short match. Uh, Ambrose does yeah. get a little bit of offense in. So it's not like... Uh, like Undertaker squashed Drew McIntyre a couple years before right. this on SmackDown. Like he got nothing in. Ambrose gets a little bit in, uh, but Undertaker, um, Ambrose even hits the dirty deeds for a two count, but uh, Taker locks in Hell's Gate. Ambrose taps out, and then the Shield swarms immediately and goes after Undertaker. But Undertaker actually, it's much like on Monday night, he just kind of cuts through them like. Like hot, like through mm-hmm. hot butter, man. He starts dominating. He tosses Rollins into the crowd. He hits Ambrose with a chair. Uh, he goes to choke slam Rollins off the barricade, but yeah. Roman Reigns comes flying in with a spear through the barricade, which is, uh, you know, they overdo that, but it, but it still always looks cool, uh, mm-hmm. especially uh, when it's on a guy like the Undertaker. Um, Ambrose hits Undertaker in the back with a chair a few times, and then they start tearing apart the announce table. And the Shield picks up Undertaker for their signature move, the triple power bomb through the announce table. And then they stand victorious, doing the uh, the fists in the middle, uh, the Shield pose, standing tall over the Undertaker as the show goes off the air. Crazy moment, crazy angle. Crazy. You want to put the Shield over all the way to the moon. This mm-hmm. is how you do it. Um, but it definitely felt like, okay, this is... This is going somewhere. Maybe to SummerSlam, maybe to WrestleMania. Right. Maybe we do that uh, six-man from Raw again on one of those shows. Um, it definitely felt like the beginning of something, but it was more like the end. I mean, we do get Undertaker versus Roman Reigns, but this storyline doesn't really go anywhere. As Undertaker actually, I don't know if it, this match or the night before, he's he's not doing well. Uh, his body's kind of giving out yeah. on him, so he takes some more time out. And this actually, you know, we're going to talk about the streak ending. This is another sad footnote on the Undertaker's history as to this day, that was the last time he ever competed on an episode of Raw or SmackDown. So crazy that we've reached that point in this podcast. Still got seven years of storyline to go and he hasn't competed in a a singles match or any kind of match on Raw or SmackDown. That's crazy, man. Had a few house show matches, but yeah, it was the last time on Raw or SmackDown. Wow, that's crazy. Well, that about does it for 2013. We're going to fast forward about 10 months to 2014 where this rest of this story picks up. So um, this is uh, Raw February 24, 2014. Huge day historic day in the history of the WWE. This was the day the WWE Network debuted. I think they did they play um, at Royal Rumble. They remember advertisements for uh, the uh, network playing and stuff. And then at the night before this, I think was uh, 
Elimination, Elimination Chamber, Chamber. Maybe. Yeah. Yeah, and they showed a lot of uh, clips and stuff was coming up and everything. And uh, well, do you remember yeah, like was the day. in 2012 when they were showing commercials for it? Yeah, <laughs> like, it was too. supposed to happen then, and then right. they never said anything about it again for two years. <laughs> yep. 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 Because they but, shot. Um, they like shot Legends House like in 2012, oh, yeah. and then just oh, yeah. sat on the shelf forever and all this other stuff. Yeah, it was years old when it debuted. So yeah, it was crazy, man. But um, yeah, huge day. I Again, mean, I was, I mean, I subscribed immediately. Uh, it was to me still worth every penny for nine 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 a month. I have no idea how it's not twenty nine nine a month, but um, oh, knock on wood. That Don't say is. that. <laughs> I'm sure I'm they'll change saying, it. Like, they could probably do it and I'd still pay it because yeah. uh, just getting we, we we wouldn't be able to do this podcast without the WWE Network. I mean, it'd take a lot more work um, uh, to do. But um, it was a great, great day. And, um, uh, of course, Although there were dishes and yeah, stuff. I couldn't watch anything for like two or three days. I don't, what about you? I didn't have any issues with it. Now, really? the pay-per-view, I had a little bit of buffering issues, but that, yeah. that could be just the internet. But um, I didn't have any issues with stuff messing oh, up. I remember, I remember online people having issues, but I didn't yeah. have any personally. So you well, did? I wasn't. Yeah, but I also I wasn't uh, like crying about it because I was like, okay, it's the launch day. Like exactly. they're gonna fix it. I, I'm gonna have it forever. I, it's, it's okay if I can't watch it the first day. You know, uh, it's disappointing. Like I, I wanted to like take off work and just watch mm-hmm. wrestling all day. Like uh, we joke about this all the time, but. Thank God the WWE Network did not exist when we were in high school right. or college because we would have never graduated, man. No, <laughs> like, never. That would have been Ridiculous. all that we did. Uh, <laughs> having every pay-per-view, every Raw, every SmackDown, every territory. Like, are you kidding me? It's a, it's a dream come true. Uh, it's it's yeah, amazing. That it still well, is. Do you remember the first thing you watched on the network? I, the first thing I tried to watch was like a – I think it was WCW Bash at the Beach 2000 because I'd never seen that. And I was like, you know, the Booker T, Jeff Jarrett. You had, oh, you had never seen thing. that? No, I've never seen that. How would oh. I? Yeah. I thought uh, I rented it with yours. And maybe, I guess I never did. I remember renting that from video to go. No, I'd only it. ever read about it. Uh, yeah. And I, I, like it would load like parts of it. It was just too jittery and buffering. And I, yeah. I gave up on it. So I don't remember what I actually watched first after. Probably a some random Royal Rumble or Survivor Series or something. Yeah. Yeah. I think mine was either the Raw uh, with the ECW Invasion or the Nitro with uh, Goldberg when I was at. One of those two Raws, or the Raw Nitro I was at. I can't remember which one I did first, but I do remember immediately those were the first two things I wanted to see uh, on the network. But anyway, just because I could go back, because I had, I had thrown away my copy of Nitro after Benoit uh, murdered his family. So... I um, threw away all that stuff and got rid of it, so I want to go back and watch that night show again. So anyway, moving on. This was a again historic day, and uh, it, this the main event segment of this night is Paul Heyman and Brock Lesnar coming down to the ring. Uh, he had, I believe, beaten Big Show at Royal Rumble with some. Yeah. Did he just beat him with chairs, or did he oh, have man. a match? I, I think they had a match, but it, like, yeah, he's, yeah, he just unloads on him with chairs. Yeah, yeah, it's brutal. Yeah, just it's really, really brutal. But again, it puts Brock as like in a class of his own, you know, which is obviously going to be the the goal here, as we know. Um, but they got yeah, they're kind of kind of rehabbing him a little bit because mm-hmm. the, the first uh, first six months or so he was there, like 
they didn't quite know what to do. Well, he, with, like, he, he lost to back. Cena, he loses to Triple H, so then you know he beats Punk at SummerSlam and then beats Big Show here. He's kind of getting getting some momentum back. Yeah, exactly. That's exactly what they're doing. They're rebuilding, and Vince was like, oh, okay. I guess Vince was like, let me make sure he's going to stay and do business with me, then I'll build him up. Instead yeah, of like, true. let's just build him up from the get-go. You know, true. that's probably what he was doing. But anyway, um, there is a black like velvet uh, cover over the ring and a table, uh, almost like a contract signing. So um, Heyman gets in the ring and says that, uh, you know, obviously his client, Brock Lesnar, should be made of any WrestleMania, but uh, you know, Orton and Batista should get, go ahead and get their title match out of the way so that, you know, Brock and the winner can face Brock at WrestleMania. And he says, you know, he brought this to the authority's attention or they the authority. Yeah, they are the authority at this point. Yeah, he brought it to Stephanie and Triple H's attention. And they have offered Brock basically a open contract for WrestleMania, whomever he wants, whatever he wants to do. So they're just kowtowing to the big man here. So uh, he says that it was just a consolation prize of baby baby why did i say baby basically this was the word i tried to say the <laughs> consolation prize basically uh he says you know lesnar wants to conquer he's a, he was an ncaa champion conquered youngest WWE champion conquered ufc heavyweight champion conquered so now he should be allowed to conquer the world title at wrestlemania uh or i guess it would have been called the wwe world heavyweight title at this point because they had reunified them back in december at, i think at right. uh TLC. TLC maybe yeah. and that was right before that they had that the champions summit thing and punk was laughing the whole time in the background because the whole crowd's chanting for, for Daniel Bryan <laughs> it's not getting over classic. anyway yeah classic man classic classic I love that crowd that night it was amazing but um anyway uh Heyman says you know no thank you this open contract means nothing you know you can have Wrestlemania all you want but you can't have it we brought Lesnar. You will give Brock Lesnar history to conquer or speak the name Brock Lesnar and WrestleMania together no more. You know, he's going to leave and, and, you know, basically saying, we don't want this. We want the world title. At WrestleMania, this is not good enough. And as they go to leave, the gong hits. And uh, Taker comes out and makes his entrance. And he's got the sleeveless Super Shredder garb on. Mm. And he is rocking a, we both point out our notes, a mustacheless uh, billy goat, like, goatee. You know, like, you know, uh, doesn't, he just kind of has the, the, the chin bunny on his on his chin. Like, well, like the Ministry of Darkness days back right. in the day. Yeah. Yeah. So, different look we haven't seen in quite a while, you know. But uh, he comes down to the ring and stands nose to nose with with Brock in the ring, and so again he hasn't been on Raw in ten months, and huge Undertaker chance, and Taker just looks like at the WrestleMania thirty sign and back at Brock, and Brock just kind of nods at him and then points at the contract, you know, like you just, you got to sign here, you got to sign here, and he's he's leaning down and you know kind of kind of uh, you know something's going to go on here because he's being a little am- animated. He's not the most subtle guy there is, but. He's uh, you know, slamming his hand on the contract or whatever and shoves the pin in Taker's chest. And then Taker just kind of stares at the pin, looks at Brock, and then stabs the pin into Brock Lesnar's hand. Yes! <laughs> so just 
very reminiscent of the ministry days when he had to uh, sign in blood, you know. So he's going back to draw, going back to the well that oh, he was in God. fifteen years ago. Yeah, I, I totally forgot about this. Me but too. It's my new favorite thing that's ever happened. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> Stab the pen to his hand. <laughs> The crowd goes crazy, man. It's it's fantastic. I know it's awesome, and it's almost a callback to uh, their 2003 feud when uh, when Taker had their cast on his hand. You know, because Brock had attacked his hand. So, um, and then that's not it. He puts salt on this wound. He choke slams Lesnar through this table, and uh, then whips his head around, and looks at the WrestleMania sign, and and goes to leave. But I tell you what, man, that choke slam had like. 11 years worth of stink on it because like <laughs> he brock lays there in like the brokenness of the table forever like he sells so much like i, I thought it was great because um you know it really put over the devastation that that he went through the table i don't know i just thought it was a long time though so um really really cool and then um uh, something i wanted to point out too is really neat with the network is that they have this new show called wwe backstage pass and it debuts on the network right after raw and we cut to see Heyman uh talking to brock and uh taker leaves and and josh matthews booker t alex riley and rick flair what a crowd baby the new four horsemen exactly <laughs> 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 and two of those guys are no longer walking with company so but uh, I what tell kind you, of man, dark timeline would that be if that was yeah, the four horsemen? Man? <laughs> yeah. Oh man, that'd be awful, awful. But uh, Ric Flair, dude, he is marking out for Taker. He's like, "Whoa, man, take it. He's, he loves what he's seeing here." Goosebumps. He's back. <laughs> Only one man like that. Unbelievable. The Undertaker's back. <laughs> anyway, they. Uh, Backstage, we cut there on, on Backstage Pass, and Renee Young is trying to get a word with Lesnar and Heyman as they, they walk by, and uh, and apparently, or she announces that the the number one trend worldwide is hashtag Undertaker, which, that's pretty cool. Dang so, right. Yeah, but um, eventually, you know, Lesnar's able to leave on his two feet, and they, you know, Renee tries to get a word, and, but they just kind of walk by her and don't give her anything. So, again, I just wanted to add that in there, because it is storyline continuity but and they were trying to take advantage of the network and uh they used to do this a lot more often uh at the beginning of the infancy of the network but uh, i wish they'd do some more of it now just every now and then but they don't (laughs) it's a wasted opportunity man it's like you're there like i guess they've started back doing the talking smack and raw talk so they're getting back to doing it but they they have fits and starts where they do stuff like Mm -hmm. this after the show and it's just like why not do it? It's not. It cannot be expensive to to just no. do a post show or, or exactly. You don't have to do a pre show every week. I don't think, but mm-hmm. post show that just makes sense. And then after pay per views, like why not do that? You know, it doesn't. Even if it's not huge ratings, you know, it's it's just extra content, easy content right. to put yeah. out there. I mean, it's uh, exactly. But it's cool that Undertaker gets to be a focal point of it here. And, like, the very first night, he's in the Mm -hmm. angle that's going to make you want to say, all right, I need to pay $9.99 to see what just happened after that. They're using him and Lesnar to build into that here. As uh, we keep going on to Raw on March 3rd, 2014. And this is another memorable episode of Raw if you were watching back then. Because this is the first WWE show in the town of Chicago 
since a little guy named CM Punk walked out on the company in a moment that we kind of fast-forwarded through uh, after the Royal Rumble earlier in 2014. Obviously, we talked about CM Punk all last week, and uh, we'll go into all the details, but he he walks out uh, after competing in the Royal Rumble and is never heard from again in the WWE until he shows up on the Fox Sports Network <laughs> as part of that deal yep. and just a wild turn of events. Uh, goes on to said on Twitter the other day. That's why I yeah. asked him. He's not still work for them. So. Yeah, you never know, man. You never say never. You thought you'd said never about him, but uh, you never say mm-hmm. never. Uh, but, you know, we talked about the cult-like following a couple weeks ago that CM Punk has. And, man, this show was historic because for weeks, ever since CM Punk left, what did everybody chant at every show, throughout every yep. show? CM Punk, CM Punk. He was still over. The fans were were dying to have him come back. There was so much pressure on the company. There were rumors that you know they were just going to have to sign him because it was it was sabotaging all their shows. So uh, I remember there being a petition and this thing online where the fans were going to hijack Raw that night and just chant CM Punk all night long to where they couldn't ignore it. And in a very Vince McMahon move, they just face it head on here at the very beginning of the show and it's kind, of, this. It's kind of masterful man yeah as they play cm punk's music they play cult of personality they show his video opening the show and there's legit some people in the crowd that think he's coming out like they get mm-hmm. some reactions of some marks that think oh, it's yeah. happening although if you're really paying attention, you know exactly what's about to happen. But uh, right, of course, it's an epic troll job, and, and Paul Heyman comes out instead, and um, he plays along right into it. He holds the mic out to the crowd as they're chanting CM Punk. He tells them, I think he deserves even louder than that, and gets them to chant even more. And then Heyman even pulls a CM Punk and sits down crisscross applesauce yes. <laughs> in the middle of the ring to deliver his promo. Uh, and it's a long, 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 long promo and segment here as Heyman does a, a, another masterful job. He says he wanted to tell the story tonight of a CM Punk, or excuse me, of a Paul Heyman guy. And he says, builds up the whole legend of CM Punk and says he's going to deliver a pipe bomb about CM Punk tonight who is not here this evening. Heyman says no Ooh. one's, exactly, the crowd's just <laughs> eating out of his hand. Uh, Heyman says no one is more upset that he can't see CM Punk perform tonight than he is. Um, And Heyman says there is someone to blame for all this. Uh, There is a time to risk his own job security and point the finger of blame. So the crowd thinks, oh, he's shooting. He's going to shoot on on Vince and Triple H. Heyman says the truth hurts. And that's why he always finds it so much easier to lie. He says he provided CM Punk... With the bosom from which his soul could nourish, which put a terrible visual in my head of CM Punk breastfeeding off of Paul Heyman. (laughs) Oh, my. (laughs) He says um, the fans, the fans are the ones who took CM Punk away. They promised him love and respect and admiration, and how far did it get them? They took CM Punk away from him and away from themselves. And Heyman doesn't just blame the fans, he blames The Undertaker. I blame The Undertaker. 
because this entire downward spiral began when we couldn't beat the streak at last year's WrestleMania. And if anybody wants to carry a message to The Undertaker right now, carry this. Paul Heyman wants revenge. And how do you get revenge against The Undertaker? How do you kill what's already dead? There's only one man on the face of the earth can do it. The Beast Incarnate, his best friend in the world. He's the only one who can conquer the streak, Brock Lesnar. So Heyman brings out Lesnar. He's completely healed on the crowd. He's blamed them. He's used their love for CM Punk to twist it around on them and to build it to this Undertaker Brock Lesnar yeah. class match. Just chef's kiss, man. Just, oh, just yeah. masterful here. I wonder if, like, he brought it up. You know, like, let's do this. Like, do you think Vince even remembered that, like, he and Punk were, like, aligned with each other last year's WrestleMania? I give Vince more I bet- credit than that. I think I think Heyman definitely uh, played a huge part in this promo, but I think Vince... I mean, obviously Vince signed up on but I wonder who feels his idea or not. I think, yeah, I give him more credit than that. I think he remembered that. Well, Lesnar comes out, and he... I gotta give it to Lesnar too. He's actually selling the stabbing from last mm-hmm. week. He's got his hand all taped up, uh, which mm-hmm. is hilarious. Um, and Heyman shows a replay of the contract signing last week, and uh, that just fires up Lesnar as he grabs the mic from Heyman in something we don't see too often. And he says, unlike some people, I don't make claims that I can't back up. Last week, The Undertaker attacked me because he's scared to death of me. Many people have failed to conquer the streak. Shawn Michaels, Triple H, and your own baby boy, CM Punk. Failures. (laughs) At WrestleMania 30, the streak is going to get conquered by me. Barack Lesnar! Mic drop. Lesnar and Heyman start to walk away. Well, Mark Henry comes out to save the day. Mark Henry's coming out. Somebody going to get the wig split here tonight. Uh, as the announcers tell us that Lesnar uh, put Henry on the shelf uh, a few months ago. And he's coming out here for revenge. And he does get in a few good shots as he tosses Lesnar into the stairs. He smashes the stairs uh, into Lesnar. But Lesnar gets the stairs. He smashes them into Henry's head. Tosses Henry into the ring, starts tearing up the announce table, tossing pieces of it everywhere, including Lesnar actually tosses one of the monitors from the ringside area, flings it wildly across the ring into the crowd at the top of the stage, which those things are not light. (laughs) It's not like they're not made out of foam, but yes, small television set (laughs) and I nearly kills somebody, but somehow they don't get hurt. Um, Oh man. And then Lesnar nearly kills Mark Henry, giving him an F five through the announce table just to give him a little bit more rub and, and heat going into, uh, going into the next phase of this build as the crowd continues to chant for CM Punk. I've heard Mark Henry talk on Busted Open Radio about this particular spot and how this was one of the worst things. Not Brock didn't do anything wrong, but he's like, if I could have, I don't have a lot of regrets, but if I had something back, I probably wouldn't have taken this F5 (laughs) to the table. Wow. Yeah, he said it really jacked him up. Like, it's not, like he said, it's not my fault, not Brock's fault. It's just 
we're two big dudes, man. We shouldn't have been doing this. But he said, Vince asked me to do this to get Brock to be what he needed to be. And he's like, and I'm happy to do that. He's like, I hold nothing against Brock, but it just, it really probably, I should have, he's uh, maybe should have spoke up a little more and said, eh, maybe not. But one thing well, I feel like Brock did here when he, when he said his name, like before he did the mic drop is he, he calls himself Barack Lesnar, which I just picture like Barack Obama, like hmm. jacked up like Lesnar, like, like, you know, like that'd been, that's a great SNL character, you know, yeah, Barack yeah, I... Lesnar. <laughs> <laughs> I can see it. I can see it. Oh, good stuff, man. But yeah, that's going to take us to the next Raw. And I just realized I wrote the wrong dates, the wrong gear on all mine. Next one. So anyway, this is March 10th, 2014. Um, the Undertaker comes out to the ring and he's got his super shredder robe on. He's got the purple lights on. He's got the mic up to his mouth. But before he can even speak, Paul Heyman comes out from the back and he's tapping on the microphone like, this is thing on? This thing on kind of, you know, he's not saying that, but that's kind of what he's doing. And he apologizes again, not really, but for interrupting. And he's introduced himself as Brock Lesnar's advocate. And he says that Taker's got the greatest streak in sports and entertainment history. And he's saying, I think people take for granted the 21 and 0 streak. He said, you know, Mr. WrestleMania himself, Shawn Michaels, never won two WrestleMania matches in a row. Triple H got to two, but could never put three consecutive victories in a row. Hulk Hogan got to three, but could never put four WrestleMania victories in a row. Stone Cold Steve Austin had a streak of four, but could never get to five. The same can be said for John Cena. Four WrestleMania victories in a row, but never five. Think about that, sir. The biggest names in WWE history, are, you know, those are some of the biggest names in WWE history, and none of them have had this many wins as Undertaker has. He had 21 consecutive wins. So, man, I just love that attention to detail. Like, what a cool stat man that he laid it out like that so he just gives it makes something ridiculously impressive even uber impressive you know right yeah no everyone knows and reveres the streak but man when you spell it out like that that yeah all these people you know his his parallels and all these guys right uh, that are on his level the closest anyone got to him would be five and he's at 21 like they're yeah. not even in the same universe, <laughs> right. not, not even in double digits, and he's no. into his twenty-first. Like unbelievable, and it just yeah. that that tells you right there, no one's ever hitting this again, man. Like no. yeah, you, you never say never, but never. There's no way mm -hmm. they will ever have that same patience, that same belief nope. in somebody to give them that sort of push and that sort of streak. No. It, it won't happen at all. But, um, it, again, after that amazing stat, you know, Paul Heyman says that the Undertaker is a deity of biblical proportions, which is why he's asking him not to step in the ring at WrestleMania 30. He says, you know, you need to fear the unknown of facing Brock Lesnar at WrestleMania because if you do step in the ring, the streak is going to be conquered. And then the Undertaker comes back 
at her and says, you know, I want you to take a message back to Brock Lesnar. He says, you know, the fear of death is far greater than the death itself. But the fear of the unknown is the greatest fear of all. And Mr. Heyman, there's one more thing. You tell your client, Brock Lesnar, if he shows up in New Orleans at WrestleMania 30, he will rest in peace. Good stuff back and forth from those two guys. Again, really just putting the streak on a pedestal and, uh, this Raw was memorable. This was the Occupy Raw with the Yes Movement. Man, I remember this Raw like it was like like as yesterday. Great stuff, man. So, and this is where we also get the announcement that the fans wanted. If we couldn't get Punk in the main event or couldn't get Punk and Brian, we're gonna get Triple H versus Daniel Bryan. And if he wins, he gets booted into the the main event. Uh, you know, Orton and Batista match. So that was what we all wanted with the cards we were dealt, and that's what we got this night. So I remember that. This specific night, for that reason, I forgot that this particular promo between Heyman was yeah. on this night because I was pretty much uh, laser focused on Daniel Bryan's story. <laughs> so, poor Batista, man. <laughs> he didn't. Poor Blue. Not Tista, his man. fault, dude. Not his fault. He came at the wrong time. But uh, nope. Anyway, Paul Heyman, he's really carrying this build up here. He's he's working overtime uh, and doing the job that only he can. Um, you know, we've kind of joked about it but in a sense he's got like the longest rivalry with undertaker that anyone's had uh you know he was his manager back in wcw in the mm-hmm. mark days and then you know uh we had that 2004 run with with the dudley boys um even you could say with the alliance you know he had uh, some of the alliance people trying to take out the undertaker uh so he was against him then and then he had the dudley boys trying to get him he had brock lesnar trying to get him uh he's been trying to conquer him for years and years and years and finally um he thinks he can do it here in 2014 uh i wish they could have pulled that into the story a little bit more would have been cool if they'd acknowledged that but as a fan if you're watching it you can think about it that way as Heyman addresses the crowd from the top of the stage here on March 17th, says he's come here to illustrate that The Undertaker's last few WrestleMania victories have been against challengers that he has barely survived. And against those same challengers, his client, Brock Lesnar, has manhandled and conquered those men. So Heyman throws to a video package that's got some creepy narration talking about the... Yeah, dude constancy of the undertaker's streak over the past 20 years showing him dominating and then it says but now even death itself is slowly dying for while the mighty reaper once collected souls with ease he now struggles and while he struggles with his mortality on the grandest stage a new beast has emerged he easily destroys the same gladiators that took the undertaker to his limits so we see what we've talked about over the past few episodes in these matches against Shawn Michaels and Triple H and CM Punk. How The Undertaker has started to show weakness. How he's started to just barely survive some of these matches. You know, against Triple H, he was carted out of the ring. And against you know CM Punk, it was, it was desperation that he got the victory. And uh, against Shawn Michaels, he was desperate to get the victory. And he's just laid out like never before. And then they show Brock Lesnar just absolutely manhandling Shawn Michaels, Triple H, CM Punk. Uh, and it's another great 
juxtaposition. It's a great way to tell the story between these two uh, and, and to hype up that Brock Lesnar is this challenge. He's the perfect guy to be facing Undertaker at this point in time. Really, really well done here. Yeah, I really dug this video. It was really, really cool. And um, yeah, I really liked the, I guess, the full circle-ness of it. It was really, really neat. Well, that's going to take us to the next night. Uh, actually, the Undertaker's going to make a WWE main event debut. And I don't mean Woo! the main event slot. I mean the TV show main <laughs> event. So this was uh, March 18th, uh, 2014. Uh, yeah, main event, dude. So um, I think... I think main event had moved to the WWE Network at this point. So yeah. they were trying to give a little rub to that show. They was actually airing live. They, they would tape it before SmackDown and air it live on the network. So they were trying to get a little boost on it. Exactly. I believe that's exactly what happened. So um, uh, Paul Heyman, we see the same video package from Raw. And then Paul Heyman, we got to the arena and... Paul Heyman takes the mic from Lillian Garcia and gets in the ring and he says, you know, I don't mean to disrespect the Undertaker's time, but I got a message for him. I want to deliver it since Taker is here live this evening. And he puts over the, the world heavyweight title and says, there's also something of equal value at WrestleMania. And that is the streak, you know, and he issues the spoiler as he's known to do that the streak will end and be conquered by Brock Lesnar. And then he uh, goes to leave. And of course we're going to get the gong hit and Heyman does what only Heyman can do, and he just goes super theatrical and starts to freak out. And uh, actually, Taker appears out of nowhere. He's behind Heyman uh, when the lights come back on, and Taker is goozled at him. He's got him by the throat, and Heyman is freaking out, freaking out, screaming, I'm just an advocate, I'm just an advocate. And Taker just kind of talks into the microphone, and he says... If Brock doesn't understand, he'll be in Brooklyn next week to deliver it himself. And then he shoves Heyman down, does the eye roll, the tongue spot, and the purple lights are bathing him. And it's just, it's a really, really cool, uh, just for main event, basically. But then um, Heyman just kind of scurries away and is terrified of, of this. And so, again, once again, Heyman's carrying this feud because Brock's not there for every single week because he costs a lot of money. So I really dug this. It was a neat little. Uh, you know, sidebar. It's fun for the crowd, you know, a little treat for them. It's nothing special. You're not literally nothing advances the story. It's just Undertaker saying, tell Brock Lesnar, I'm going to cut a promo on him <laughs> next exactly. time I see him. Like, But even with that, 
yeah, it's still Undertaker, still Paul Heyman. There's like no better Weasley heel uh, yeah. than Paul Heyman. So you know they sell it and make it worthwhile. Uh, and it's if, if you are watching it, up. exactly. Yeah, it's showing yeah, it's yeah. Like, hey, state you got to tune in Monday. You know yes. Taker and Lesnar are going to be there. You know, yes. so it's it's old school stuff. You know, you you do stuff on the small shows to build to the big show. So I mean, right. That's, up next, we got Raw on March 24th, 2014, and Lesnar and Heyman are going to get the main event segment with Undertaker here, so we built that up, and Brock's got a new t-shirt on to advertise this match, black with big white font on the front that says, eat, sleep, break the streak, so... No doubt, man. That's been his thing, eat, sleep, conquer, repeat, and now he's playing into it with this... And of course, it says Jimmy John's on the back. And uh, what's his other sponsor? What is Death it? Death Clutch. Okay. Yeah, Death Clutch. That's his own thing. I don't know. I don't remember if it's him or not. But that's his own like MMA brand. I thought. But okay. yeah, definitely Jimmy John's. So mm, man, love me some Jimmy John's. If you, Jimmy John's, if you really want to sponsor the show, we'll take it. Absolutely. Uh, Heyman says his client's opponent at WrestleMania holds one of the most staggering achievements in sports entertainment, the record of 21-0. But Heyman says on April 6, 2014, when Brock Lesnar defeats The Undertaker at WrestleMania, it will take nothing away from those accomplishments of those 21 straight victories. And Heyman, once again, talks about the likes of, of John Cena and Andre the Giant and his client Brock Lesnar, who can never even claim 21-0 at WrestleMania. As Lesnar, excuse me, as Heyman says, at WrestleMania, one era will end and another will begin. Whoa, which, whoa, whoa, whoa. No, no, no. That was WrestleMania 28, right? You would think. You, <laughs> That's mean, what, they, you mean that they lied to us? At that well, WrestleMania? No, that era ended, but then another one began. Oh. But then this one's also it's going to end. Two years later. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah, yeah. Got it, got it, got it, got it. Got it, okay. Brock Lesnar's he's heard enough of Paul Heyman's ranting. He grabs the mic. Yo, he that's says, enough. He doesn't do that. Basically, though, he says, Enough, Paul. Enough. I'm not here to promote. I'm here to fight. Undertaker, you're here. I'm here. Let's do this. You're here. I'm here. Let's do this. <laughs> Something like that. Something His like voice that. squeaks. It's so. I hate when Lesnar's voice squeaks when he tries to scream because he's That's so great. intimidating and overpowering. <laughs> and when he squeaks, it's like, dang it, man. But no. I love it because he's getting into it. I'm still afraid of him. I don't care. Oh, I'm terrified of him. Absolutely. Well, after a few moments, you know, Undertaker's got to make him wait for a minute. We do get the Latin chanting and the Druids bringing the casket down to the ring, bathed in that purple light and smoke we've grown so accustomed to. Lesnar seems irritated with all of this showmanship, and Paul Heyman is kind of looking on in fear. he got his face in his hands. Lesnar finally walks over toward this casket. He kicks it a few times like he's kind of knocking on the door for Undertaker to, to answer him. And then Lesnar slowly cracks the casket open and peeks in, and there's nobody inside. And Lesnar's ticked off. He says, is this some kind of joke? So he starts stalking towards the Druids. And the Druids march to the back as Lesnar walks back towards the casket, and he slams it shut. 
And uh, that's the cue for the Undertaker to yep. get inside of it here. Exactly. As Lesnar says he's leaving, and Paul Heyman says, no, 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 that's the games that Undertaker wants you to play. Undertaker challenged you to show up in this slum of Brooklyn as the crowd boos. Great little mm. cheap heat. And all he brought was this empty casket. Suddenly that casket opens, and the Undertaker is laying inside, and he actually takes a minute just to lay there before he pops up. And Heyman runs out of fear and starts screaming, screaming at Lesnar to get out of the ring. But Lesnar stands his ground, and he strikes at Taker first, but Taker starts throwing hands and clotheslines Lesnar out of the ring. And Lesnar flips, takes a nasty little bump as he flips over and onto the casket to the outside. And Lesnar looks like he's seen a ghost. He's got this great look of fear on his face, Uh, but he... Stands his ground, he points to the WrestleMania sign, and Undertaker does the same as he does the throat slash, and the show goes off the air. Just another basic Undertaker angle, but everyone in here is so good that uh, it works, man. It, it gets you hyped up. It's it's exactly what you want to see. Oh, yeah, and that bump that Brock took was just great. I mean, he had, when he had whenever he goes over the top rope, he has no regard for the <laughs> way he's going to lie. I love it, dude. It's wild, and it looks real. Like, it, I just absolutely love it. Like, it's just, man, like this most recent Royal Rumble in 2020 when when uh, McIntyre booted him over the top, like, he just crashed. Like, it was insane, man. And same thing right here. But I read online, I was reading a recap, and somebody was saying, I wonder if the the uh, casket was supposed to be open, he was going to fall in. I was like, I don't think so, because, like, the way he tumbled, yeah, that would he would have broke weird. his neck if it was open. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but anyway, that's going to take us to – uh, Raw of March 31st, 2014. So this is the go-home show before WrestleMania, the go-home Raw, at least. Um, and uh, the show actually opens with Taker's music and the gong hitting. So again, last year, uh, we closed the go-home Raw with him and, and Punk's angle with the uh, the, uh, with the urn and, and, and all that stuff and the ashes. And this year, we're opening up the go-home show. So I always like to, to see that, that stuff like that. So really, 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 really neat. But we get a replay of last week with Taker getting the best of Brock and come back to Taker standing in the ring in his hooded sleeve with Super Shredder cloak, and he points at the WrestleMania sign. So Taker didn't use to point at the sign, but he, even Vince now is like, come on, man. Come on. You got it. He's like, come on. I need you. You're the big dog. I need you to point at the sign. You got to get him to point at the sign. Like, you point at the sign, everybody points at the sign. You're locker room leader. So even Taker's not pointing at the sign. So, so anyway... The power of the point, man. It's just something about it, dude. Something happens between between like January and March, and everybody's arm just like defies gravity and goes <laughs> straight up to the top of the ring. Why don't they do that in other sports, man? Why, like you clinch the uh, the playoffs, and like why, why doesn't Tom Brady point at the Super Bowl <laughs> side, man? Like exactly, it'd be great. You know why? Because it's dumb. <laughs> Everyone no. does it. No, no way, man. <laughs> LeBron James oh, should do that next conference finals. He wins. He just, <laughs> yeah, points, just points points to the side. <laughs> That's amazing. Um, but anyway, Taylor says that 21 men stepped up. 21 men set down. And I don't claim to be better than my victims. But at WrestleMania, I will go further than anyone else. And that's why the streak stays alive. Now I'm sure Brock Lesnar is thinking, how am I going to break the streak? Well, Brock, what you should be thinking about is what's going to happen 
when I take you out into the deep water and when your feet can no longer touch the bottom, what are you going to do, Brock? Are you going to try and grab me and take me down to the bottom with you? Or are you going to try and turn around and swim back to shore? Brock, every opponent of mine has made that decision. They have been in the same situation you will be this Sunday. And they tried to swim back to shore and not one of them have made it yet. I know Brock's a dangerous man and many people think and they say it's inevitable that eventually the streak will be broken. But there are many more people that believe in three things that can't be beat. Death, taxes, and the streak. I love that. And then Taker says that this Sunday, Brock will rest in, and we're interrupted by Brock Lesnar's music. And, uh, man, I love that Taker's even chiming in on the death taxes in the street. Oh, it's just I hated it's great. It. it reminded me of IRS. It just made me mad. I know it did. I didn't, <laughs> no, I didn't like it. <laughs> I loved it because it was great. But I thought that you would hate it because that reminds you of IRS. So. Uh, what if he came uh, out right this? Did someone say taxes? <laughs> <laughs> Undertaker just tombstones him. Yeah, we don't even see Brock Lesnar tonight. That's just that's the build to WrestleMania. <laughs> <laughs> That'd have been insane. Um, like I said, Lesnar comes out. He's got that eat, sleep, break the streak shirt on again. And dude, I just want to point out, like he is in incredible shape, and we'll get to it more in the match. But like, he has definitely been training for this match, like getting cut yeah. down. Training. Quote unquote, oh, yeah, injecting <laughs> whatever he's doing. He's, he's doing the uh, doing the Braun Strowman special. Yeah, exactly. Um, <laughs> Did you see? That? I heard, I read something okay. about. It. I didn't. I just saw a headline, some clickbait. It was like Strowman explains needle in picture or something like that. Anyway, so I, I I read between the lines, but yeah. Um, he says, you know, Heyman says, you know, I don't mean any disrespect to you, Undertaker, but. My client does, which I love that. <laughs> that's like, hey, he's oh, yeah. so like, he's so like, such a sniveling little weasel, man. But uh, he says, you know, this this isn't a match that Brock Lesnar has to win. It's a match that the Undertaker must not lose. He says Taker can beat on Brock, but all it's going to take is one F five to defeat the Undertaker. So they plant that seed right there. What's going to happen at at Mania? I like, mm-hmm. I love that. Going back and looking at it in hindsight, I love that detail mm-hmm. and uh Heyman says this sunday we'll see the most historic wrestlemania moment since hogan defeated andre the giant when brock lesnar defeats the streak that's not a prediction that's a spoiler and they go to leave and the crowd's booing them they kind of walk up the ramp and brock just kind of stops like mm, not done yet you know and he kind of turns around and his eyes take her in the ring and he makes his way down the ramp and taker's like all right on big guy he starts removing his cloak and he, he's ready to go brock just kind of eyes him looks at the wrestlemania sign and at this point they're just milking this uh interaction between the two so the crowd is kind of cheering when brock comes back down in the ring and they're booing when he walks away and they know exactly what they're doing they're, they're timing it out perfectly here it's just crowd in the palm of their hand because you got such big characters here and a big streak on the line so uh 
Brock's kind of, you know, they, they go back and forth with this kind of a lot and then stare at each other. And then Brock kind of starts making his way around the ring, circling it and uh, slides in and Taker just goes at him. He's finally starts, starts slugging away at him. Brock gets a huge clothesline on that one, nasty clothesline, lays Taker out, picks him up, hits an F5 in the middle of the ring, and just Taker is dead on his back there, or on his stomach. And commentary put over, they say, if that happens at WrestleMania, the streak dies. It's over. That's all it's going to take. And then Brock's posing in the ring and standing over Taker as Taker's lying there. Then Brock goes to leave, and I love this part right here. He goes to leave. He comes back and Taker's laying on the on the on the mat and he's kind of looking out toward Brock and Brock just grabs the bottom rope and then just like ah, just like screams at Taker and then just like like he's pumped like like for a shoot I think you know he's he's pumped for like what's gonna happen I, I just love it he's really getting into it and again Brock Lesnar is is a phenomenal uh, specimen and just a phenomenal like when he's into something he's phenomenal at it for being somebody who didn't grow up in the business, he's got all the right things and does the right things at the right time when he wants to. And uh, Yeah, he's obviously, he's got his detractors, and you can make a lot of fair criticisms about him and about his, you know, commitments to the business and his schedule and his money-making, whatever. All that aside, you cannot deny when he's on, there's nobody like him. He's got a presence like nobody else. Uh, he's got charisma like nobody else. When he's on, he is freaking on, um, mm-hmm. and he's gonna be on at WrestleMania. But uh, I wanna I wanna delay the inevitable. I, w- I wanna stall a little bit more before we have to get into the tragedy of this show uh, and talk briefly about the Hall of Fame on WrestleMania weekend on April fifth, two thousand fourteen. Because we don't ever talk about the Hall of Fame because it's pretty legendary that the Undertaker doesn't show up. In the crowd, at least. I'm sure he's there backstage. But we don't see him at the Hall of Fame ceremonies because he's keeping kayfabe. He's like the last guy that keeps it alive. He just feels like it would not be right for The Undertaker to be out there in a tuxedo clapping and laughing along. Even though (laughs) kayfabe's been dead for a long, long time. He just will not do it, uh, which is kind of awesome. But... It's a special occasion tonight because Paul Bearer is getting inducted into the Hall of Fame, which I kind of said last week. Back in the day when this happened, I kind of was like, eh, they're just doing that because he died. It's just trying to. It's just a nice thing. But man, right. I have no doubt in my mind after watching everything that we did, that man is a well-deserved Hall of Famer. So it was great to see him get inducted. Uh, he gets inducted by his son Kane uh, after a wonderful video package similar to the one that they played right after his death. And mm-hmm. uh, this was right after Kane had to cut off Mr. T talking about his mama. And Kane says that's because yes. Kane says that's because it was cut into my time talking about my daddy. <laughs> <laughs> so good, man. So good. And Kane just gives a really lovely speech about William Moody, aka the man behind Paul Bearer. Yeah. He talks about. Uh, Bill Moody's friends, Robert Gibson and Michael Hayes, get into the business at the same time as him, which was kind of neat. He talks about William Moody serving in the Air Force, uh, which I didn't realize. And then he served, of course, as a licensed funeral director. He debuted as a wrestler as Mr. X, but his in-ring career was (laughs) short-lived. He found his calling as a manager as Percy Pringle. 
uh, which is where he met Mark Calloway, working the territories, before coming to the WWE and joining The Undertaker as Paul Bearer. And Kane puts over how the addition of Paul Bearer really completed the package and boosted Undertaker to becoming the greatest character of all time. Uh, Kane says his saga with The Undertaker was the greatest piece of storytelling the WWE has ever done, and it would not have been possible without Paul Bearer, which tar- hard to argue with any of that. Yeah. Uh, Kane tells a story that he also recently told on Stone Cold's uh, Broken yes. Skull Sessions, <laughs> and it's in his book, too, about uh, Paul Bearer making him drive because he was feeling sick and then yelling out the window to all these crowds, Look, it's Kane! Kane can drive! Uh, just a hilarious story. Ooh, so good, man. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. Um, and then Kane puts over... Um, says he couldn't think of a more fitting memorial than Paul Bearer being a central part of The Undertaker's match last year at WrestleMania and says that's exactly how he would have wanted to go out. So Paul brings out, excuse me, Kane brings out Paul, uh, William, whatever you want to call him, his real-life sons, uh, Michael and Daniel Moody, who bear a striking resemblance to their father. Yeah, <laughs> <as> they, <laughs> yeah. Except his induction. Uh, they don't say too much. Uh, I think one of them actually doesn't even speak at all, but the other one... Yeah. Thanks the WWE Universe and gives them an oh yes, um, and very <laughs> good. Eh, not bad, not bad. Um, sadly, uh, one of them, uh, I think it's no longer with us. I think yeah, Michael, uh, who is actually the one who speaks here. Yeah, he he passed away just six months after this on September twenty first, two thousand fourteen. So that's crazy. Very tragic time for the Moody family. Uh, but they get to celebrate on this night, which is great, because the Undertaker's gong hits at the Hall of Fame, and the lights go out. And the Undertaker's video comes up on the screen, and the smoke mm-hmm. starts flowing out of the entryway as the Undertaker carries out Paul Bear's urn, and he lifts it up in one final tribute to his mentor, which, again, just shows you the level of respect and appreciation that um, that the Undertaker had for Paul Bearer, for right. his friend William Moody, that after all these years of not showing up at the Hall of Fame and never doing anything like this, um, he's still in character. You know, he still he still doesn't take that off, but he's right. but he's willing uh, to go that mile and, and and pay tribute to him on this night. Just a really really cool, really special moment. Uh, if you've never seen it, it's only like a 10, 12 minute segment from top to bottom. So definitely, especially if you're a fan of the show, you, you got to go back and watch that. It's great to see. Yeah, absolutely. It probably would have been longer for him for Mr. T, but that's yeah, might have been. what it is. But yeah, it is cool. And I, I had forgotten until uh, you put it in your notes. I had to go back and watch it because I had forgotten about that completely because I'm in my mind, Taker was never on the Hall of Fame, but I forgot he did appear here. So it was really, really great to see that. And uh, again, it was the first first Hall of Fame on the uh, the network. So we're going to get to the first pay-per-view on the network ever here. Again, not counting a NXT TakeOver. Arrival or whatever it's called, but anyway, that brings us to WrestleMania Triple X. Is that what it's called? Sure. Yeah. Vin <laughs> Diesel is the adult. host, right? <laughs> oh, I meant like, yeah, Triple <laughs> X rated. This is the Attitude Era. Dirty no, Man. No, WrestleMania. WrestleMania. Dirty Man. No, WrestleMania Thirty. Uh, live for the first time ever on WWE Network, April 6, thousand fourteen. Live from the Silver Dome. That's right, brother. <laughs> Man, brother, not the Silver Dome. What an idiot. 
<laughs> Talk about a WrestleMania moment, man. Yeah, so good. Classic. I, I watched that whole thing, dude, where he, he blew the Silver Dome line, and then when Austin came out, and then Rock came out and made fun of him, and Austin's dying laughing. and So good. But again, huge deal at the time. You got Hogan, uh, Austin, and Rock in the ring at the same time, just living it up for the fans. Man, it was... That was an epic time, you know? I mean, this is quite literally the biggest night in WWE history is this sure. night right here. Because not only is it WrestleMania 30, which would be huge enough on its own, not mm-hmm. only is it the first WrestleMania on the WWE Network, it's the first pay-per-view, the first major show on exactly. this WWE Network, which they have pretty much risked their entire company on. They are gambling... You know, this was pretty much, you know, this was not the first streaming service like this. You know, we already had Netflix and Hulu, but it was pretty early in the game to this whole Mm -hmm. streaming world that we live in now. I mean, they were certainly ahead of the curve on that. So it was still pretty risky to make this move where, okay, we're not going to charge anybody $60 a month on pay-per-view, although they were. You still could order pay-per-view, which why would you at all when you're saying you can get WrestleMania for $9.99 or for free (laughs) even if you just do a free trial? Um, I mean, they're staking the future of the company on this night, on the technology working, on having it be a successful enough show Uh, that people are going to want to continue their subscription and all that sort of stuff, which is, again, that's going to play a big part into why we talk about this moment that we're about to talk about here. I mean, just what a huge night and uh, what a way to open it up with Hulk Hogan, The Rock, and Steve Austin all in the ring together. Oh, yeah. And I was going to say, too, like, like, just to reiterate what you just said, like, all the stuff you just said about this being such a huge night, goes into a lot of the creative choices put on if you look at it that way look at it from vince's business standpoint some things may make sense does it you know especially the the fan service of daniel bryan that opening match and then closing the show like that is incredible and like that's one of my favorite opening match to wrestlemania besides brett nolan is bryan and triple h from this night just phenomenal but it's great um it's phenomenal, and just the ending of the of the show is great. But this, I remember uh, watching this. Uh, my wife and I sold our house and our belongings, and we were living with her mom at the time in Nashville. We were about getting ready to move over here to East Tennessee. Um, so, like, the next month, actually. And so I watched this pay-per-view by myself in the living room at her mom's house. They had gone – they were quiet and went away so I could watch it. And uh, I remember um, just – it's weird, you know, thinking I got the network, I can watch it, but I had to watch it by myself. You know, I'd always watch it with somebody, but this was the first one I got to watch by myself. But, you know, I, I, it, it beat DirecTV issues I had the year before and all that stuff. But um, good stuff. I really love this whole show, honestly. It's fantastic. I love the, the Shield getting the quick win over the Attitude Era guys. Cesaro wins the Battle Royal. I love Brave vs. Cena, except for the end. I think that's stupid. But, um, that played into the Firefly Funhouse match this year. So, anyway, good stuff. But I'll let you talk about the actual yeah, main Yeah, no, I, we had our big annual WrestleMania party as well. And uh, actually, I've got, I've got a funny story similar to the one that Randy Turco shared uh, on our watch-along last week as far as how this match goes and yeah. uh, the reactions to all of it. Uh, but I'll get into that later on. Uh, and you know, this match is going to go on third from the top. 
uh, before the Diva Invitational match and the WWE title match. Uh, you definitely had to have a buffer uh, in between mm-hmm. this and the main event, no doubt about it. As we got Cole, King, and JBL on commentary, who's sort of the standard big show commentary team at this point. And we actually hear that old um, Mark Colley song that they played before WrestleMania 27. Uh, sort of like a fake yep. Johnny Cash exactly. <laughs> song, basically. It's still good, it, though. Yeah. It's fine, yeah. Uh, we hear that playing over the uh, the graphic for the match before we get the video package, which is fantastic, as always. It's similar to the one that Heyman showed on Raw a couple weeks ago with the creepy voiceover guy. But then Paul Heyman interrupts the video on video, like not in the crowd, and he's yeah. cut, cutting a promo in the video package um, as he says, you know, that Lesnar will become the one in 21 and 1. No one will ever forget what he's about to do. 21 and 1. And then the smallest number becomes the biggest. He is the Which I thought, that's beautiful, man. Like, such a great line. Exactly, man. That was poetry. What a way to put it. As he finishes it off, repeating over and over again, eat, sleep, conquer the streak. I love it. I love that. I love him interrupting that and everything. It was fantastic. But, okay, of course, for this match, we're going to get Brock Lesnar and Paul Heyman out first. And, uh... Lesnar looks a lot different. He's got MMA gloves, you know. He's got shorts with the sponsors on the on the back, and um, got his, you know, he's just he's changed from the last time we we saw him on Talking Taker. I think, right. I don't right. think back then he had the sword. Did he have the no. sword tattoo? But no, he had the big bone thing on his back, but he didn't yes. have the sword on his chest. Yeah. So um, and he's also got a, something from HBK's personal collection, the, the beanie on his head. Oh. <laughs> I thought you meant a fleece vest with no shirt on underneath it. <laughs> that, that, that would work too. Yeah. Oh, or man. a lazy but, um... eye. <laughs> oh, man. From the HBK club. Dang. He's ragging on the sexy boy tonight. <laughs> oh, anyway. Um, yeah, man. And again, I just can't put over how this the phenomenal shape he, he he's in man and he comes and kind of stops about halfway down the aisle just kind of soaks it in and jbl and commentary is going over all of his accolades the ncaa the you know playing for you know the vikings for a minute uh the beating randy couture and his third ever match in mma, MMA and all this just all that but says all of those pale in comparison if he defeats the streak tonight and then King says the worst part may be that Heyman may become known as the greatest manager ever if he can lead Brock to victory. And then Michael Cole says that Brock Lesnar is the most accomplished athlete ever to challenge the streak. And I think that is absolutely – I can't agree more with that as far as storyline-wise. He's the most accomplished one. And, again, it goes into – you can kind of see why Vince did things the way he did. I'm not necessarily agreeing with it, but I'm saying you can see – Vince's reasonings for what he what he pulls off here tonight. 
Would you oh, yeah. agree with that? I mean, absolutely. And yeah. you, you can't argue with any of that. It's it's the same stuff we've talked about on here that makes the most successful stuff is that it's it's based in reality. Yeah. They're they're not lying about any of this stuff about Brock Lesnar. They don't have to embellish it. Really, it's mm-hmm. all true. He's he has accomplished all of that stuff. It's legit. As he hops in the ring, gets his pyro, he's dancing up and down, and we hear the Latin chanting begin. And then an awesome entrance for The Undertaker here as the camera begins to scroll across this graveyard full of caskets. And on top of each casket is the name of every one of The Undertaker's victims at WrestleMania written on them. And it's interspersed with this grainy black and white footage, distressed footage of Undertaker winning all those matches at WrestleMania. And it finally stops on another casket with the number 22 written and Brock Lesnar's name written on it that we see just before the gong hits and the lights go out. I love this. And I remember thinking it was a video. I didn't know it was on the stage until a second from now when you see Taker actually comes out. I just saw it was a video they played, but Taker comes out through the smoke. He's got he's kind of gone back to his old Western garb, no longer the super shredder. He's just got like a, a new black trench coat, a new black wide brim hat. He's got that still got that, you know, mustacheless goatee, but he walks out and he stops at the top of the ramp and then kind of does, you know, whips his head around like only he can, looks toward casket number 22, and it just it flies open, top pops open. And then Brock kind of has this worried look about him at this point. And then hmm. Taker steps a little more, turns around the casket, holds his hand out, and then boom, the casket just goes up in flames, which I thought was really, really nice little intimidation factor. And again, the production, they have all those up there on the stage and everything, and that's when it occurred to me, oh, man, those were actually on the stage, and they were showing that. So I thought it was pretty cool. Awesome WrestleMania entrance. I love it here. Mm-hmm. As Taker makes his way to the ring and raises the lights, as we get to see the detailing on this jacket, it's really beautiful. Yeah. He's got, like, red leather detailing the robe and the hat. Uh, very cool look here. But I'll tell you what, man. This this sounds obvious, but The Undertaker looks as old as we've ever seen him here, which he is. He's literally, this is the oldest we've ever seen him. This is the most recent match we've ever done. But he has not always looked his age throughout the years. And with the bald head or the shaved head, Mm -hmm. with the the ministry goatee, with all of the injuries that have been upon him, he finally looks his age really, honestly, like for the first time, in my opinion. And I did, but I don't hate it. Like, because he almost... He looks like death himself here at this point. Mm -hmm. He's not just like a zombie. He's become like the symbol of death. Like not like a, almost like a ghost, like like a demon uh, rather than this undead zombie. Does that make sense at all? Oh, yeah. Am I stumbling over myself here? No, no. I I know exactly what you're saying. And I, I think it plays into the psychology of this match as well. Too. Uh, to me, it does because he's going to be pretty human in this match, you know, and pretty old looking. Uh, and I think, unfortunately, part of that is because of he's concussed. But I think even without the concussion, just the way the match goes, um, right? Yes, I think that was the story anyway. You know, just the way 
how much he's selling. So, but we'll get to that in a minute. But anyway, um, like yeah. I said, he he, he uh, has that great red trim on his jacket and his hat and also red trim on his body because he's in a tanning bed for a long time, man, for this match. So he's like, I'm going to go out and, and lose the streak. I'm going to go out with a nice tan. Yeah. So not like not like Sting. Not pulling a but, Sting um, here, man. No way. And Dude, Cole, Michael bef- Cole reminds us. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. Uh, before we start the match, I just got to point out, there's this pair of signs in the front yes. row <laughs> that are hanging over the barricade here. One says 22-0, and 0, and the other says 21-1, and 1, and then underneath them both, it says, just married. So, I love it. <laughs> I don't know who that couple is. I want to hear from them. You have an open invitation to come on the show, because you're in the front row at WrestleMania, on your honeymoon, uh, or or close to it, I guess. Yeah. And, uh, and I need to hear it. Match. And yeah. you, yes, one of you is a Ludger <laughs> fan, one of you is a Jacob fan. I need to hear the full yeah. story of this. And well, and if you're still it. married, maybe they got divorced after right. this. I don't know. <laughs> this might have been it. <laughs> but uh, uh, just yeah, you fantastic. Have, the authority has granted you an open contract to come on here. Yes. So, say that. Yeah, that was an awesome sign, man. I noticed that too. It was that was great, and um. Yeah, well, Michael Cole kind of foreshadows, uh, unfortunately, something that we we didn't know was going to happen. But he says, you know, if Brock hits that F5, that's it. And he says, literally says these words, this is not going to be pretty. So he just, I don't think he had a clue, though, but uh, maybe he did. But these guys go nose to nose in the middle of the ring, and neither one of them looks intimidated. And Brock kind of slowly backs away, and then the bell's going to ring, and they immediately just slug away and taker's got brock back in the turnbuckle and he irish whips uh irish whips him and but brock reverses it and taker gets hit with a huge belly to belly just right at the beginning of the match which again you don't normally see people throwing the undertaker over their head no especially at the beginning of the match no nobody does that uh lesnar clotheslines undertaker out of the ring but taker like a champ, man. He hits that perfect 10 landing, lands on his feet. He's still got it. And Taker gets back up on the apron, but Lesnar hits these running big knees in Undertaker's chest and goes for some elbows. But Undertaker, he's pulling out all the tricks out of his bag. He hits the apron stunner like we've seen back in the old school days of Taker here on Lesnar. Oh, yeah. It was good to see the perfect 10 in the apron stunner. That was, that was classic. Um, he actually wraps Brock's arm around the top rope and starts punching his shoulder, working on it, working on it more in, in the corner, punching Brock in the shoulder, just kind of showing some psychology there because, you know, he's working up to old school basically, but throws Lesnar's shoulder first in the ring post. Brock just spills on the outside, and Taker goes out there and throws him to the ring post on the outside. So really just continuing to do that. Goes for old school, but Brock actually thwarts it and stops it and shoulders him in the corner, and then Taker, excuse me, Lesnar lunges at Taker, but Taker moves, and Brock gets his shoulder on the post again. So that's the story uh, at the beginning of this match here. So Undertaker hits the apron, leg drop, connects it on Brock Lesnar, connects with Snake Eyes. He's rolling. Hits the goozle, but Lesnar reverses. He hoists Taker up onto his shoulders for an F5. Undertaker counters and shoves Lesnar into the corner again. But Undertaker pulls the old Charlie Brown, man. He goes and runs for that big boot. <laughs> Lucy, a.k.a. Brock Lesnar, pulls pulls it out of the way, and Undertaker crotches himself on the turnbuckle. Yeah, unfortunately. He still hasn't learned that. But no. Lesnar, <clears throat> yeah, Lesnar's going to take over on the outside and starts just really clubbing Taker real hard. And 
Taker recovers with an elbow to the face, but then Brock going to lift Taker up like by the leg and suplex him on the floor and, and slam him. And I don't know if that's the spot where he got concussed, but because we've seen on the last ride documentary that Taker says he's watching it back and he doesn't know. To me, that looked like the spot because after that hit or after the way he lands there on the outside, things just they changed to again i had the benefit of of having watched this match several times and to pay attention but um to me that's the spot i think that he got concussed at but i don't know i don't know if you noticed the same thing or not but well that seems to be the most obvious like big ugly bump that he could have taken yeah. that would have jarred him it, it's not like a uh i don't know it, it, it's not the most obvious moment uh that that's where you can definitely for sure say, okay, this is where he's concussed. But that's, that seems to make uh, uh, the most sense here. As Lesnar gets Undertaker back in the ring, he starts working over the leg, and he's slowly, methodically working Undertaker over with strikes. And Undertaker begins to struggle to get back up to his feet. And Lesnar starts stomping on his leg over and over again. Uh, Undertaker goes outside, and he's trying to get some feeling back into his leg, slapping it. But under, but Lesnar comes out and kicks his leg out from his leg, Owen Hart style. And mm-hmm. uh, Lesnar whips Undertaker into the barricade as we see the Brock Lesnar guy cheering right in front of Brock Lesnar. Yeah, historic moment. <laughs> yeah, and uh, not only is he cheering, Heyman's cheering him on too. He's saying, break him down, break him down, you're the best. And, and he's such a good uh, cheerleader out there on the outside. So, um like you said, Taker's fighting back on the outside, and uh, he gets Irish whip, and Taker goes back first into the barricade, and then they slide back in the ring, and Brock just hits a wrestling move again. He hits a vertical suplex, which, uh, again, not a lot of guys in WWE vertical suplex in the Undertaker. Um, he's just kind of getting uh, handled here like a, like a, like he's just anybody else, you know? Paul Heyman is cackling on the outside as Lesnar is just beating away at the Undertaker's body. We're like seeing it deteriorate right before our eyes. And Undertaker's putting his fist up to try and stop it, but Lesnar continues to punish him. And I just put in my notes, dude, the story that they're telling here, if this were the UFC, the ref would have stopped this fight because the Undertaker is basically defenseless here. And and he's got, Mm -hmm. he's got nothing left. Uh, But this is WWE. So he's, he's, Lesnar's got to get the pin or the submission, and Undertaker's going to keep fighting because nobody fights harder than him at WrestleMania. Exactly. He made that point, you know, on commentary or on in the ring the other day. So, uh, again, that's what I'm saying. Like, the fact that he does look older coming into this plays into the psychology of the match, and I, I kind of dig it. So, um, he does get a hope spot here, though, when he counters with a running DDT. Again, this is a classic Takerism, and, uh, Sits up in the corner and he, he winds up booting Brock in the face and starts uh, punching him and then hits a splash in the corner. Hits another one, winds up hitting snake eyes on the big guy here and hits a big boot and covers him for a leg or after a leg drop to get a two count. So I think that's uh, his first two count of the match, if I'm not mistaken, or the first cover he's made. Yeah, he's starting to get some momentum. He's starting to build some hope here. He signals for the choke slam and he actually connects it. He goes for the cover and that only gets two. And Undertaker gets Lesnar up for the tombstone, but again, Lesnar's going to slide out and hit the F5, but the Undertaker managed, manages to kick out at two from that. But Heyman 
you know, he's, he's coaching Lesnar along. He says, you've got him right where you want him. Finish him. Finish him. And Lesnar is still on his feet, but he's kind of stumbling around from that choke slam, and he actually stumbles down right into Hell's Gate from The Undertaker. So uh, the submission specialist is going to try to tap out the MMA champion here. Exactly. Interesting uh, strategy. Bold strategy there. So um, we'll see if it pays off. So Lesnar actually kind of feigns tapping out, but winds up picking and take her up and hits like, you know, a small power bomb to get out of the hell's gate basically to break the submission. And then, uh, they're kind of both spent here and takers dragging herself up on the ropes and, uh, Brock drags him, goes and, and, and drags taker to the middle of the ring to, uh, you know, I don't know if he's going to pin him or what he's going to do psychology wise, but taker again, locks on the hell's gate and Brock again, picks him up and power bombs. And this time it was a little tiny power bomb though. <laughs> <laughs> little tiny power bomb, but still not, you know, it's not any less impressive than the other one. But um, at this point, JBL makes a really, really good point. He says, you know, Undertaker's been on his back for five minutes. He's like, you know, he's locked in Hell's Gate twice, but he's been on his back the entire time, which, again, that's part of the match. That's part of the psychology they're trying to tell. So, again, with or without the concussion, it doesn't matter because this is still the story they were trying to tell, you know. And I, I, I dig that, man. Yeah, I, I dug that comment from JBL. That's I awesome. did too. Yeah, I'm glad that he noticed that and pointed that out. And yeah, I, I don't know if that was because he wasn't quite sure where he was and they were having right. to adapt, or if that was built into the match. But but it works for the story they're telling here. As Undertaker, he keeps trying to sit up, but he's just exhausted, and um, this is starting to feel sort of like an MMA fight. As Lesnar crawls mm-hmm. over and he locks in the Kimura, which uh, he's been using. He broke. Triple H's arm, broke Shawn Michaels' arm, all this sort of stuff with it. But Undertaker, he uses his submission skills to reverse it. Man, he's uh, he's the MMA yeah, he legend. <laughs> he's going to reverse that. Uh, but Lesnar is able to crawl to the ropes and force Undertaker to break the hold. Uh, Lesnar hits some punches to the gut of Undertaker to keep him on the ground. And then finally, after all this time, the Undertaker gets up to his feet, but he's backed into the corner, and Brock Lesnar has just unloading on him more and more and more and more punches and punches and punches and punches oh yeah he's beating on him but then he then he actually you know he makes a small mistake here and he runs at taker and taker gets his boot up and hits him right in the face then taker's going to wrench the arm go for old school and the crowd comes alive for this uh but he's gonna go for old school he's not going to hit it though because brock is going to drag him off the top rope on his shoulder Hit a second F5. And I remember watching this live, and I was like, that's it. Streak is gone. They've already done one F5, a second one. Taker's not kicking out. I mean, this is running through my mind like in a split second, you know. And uh, Taker kicks out somehow. And it was just, it was crazy, man. And, I mean, I don't know how many people have kicked out of two F5s at this point. Um, if if anybody, it's been maybe mm-hmm. three people, you know. Yeah. Like maybe Triple H and, and Kurt Angle, maybe. That's right. it, though. You know, so that was a huge deal and goes to show when you build somebody's finisher up as a finisher, not a false finish, it it, it means something to the crowd. They're invested. Oh, yeah. They think it might end the match. That's what finishers used to do. That's why they're called finishers. Now they're prostituted throughout matches and they're just used as a transition spot. You know, it's ridiculous. So. Heyman can't believe it either. He's throwing a fit on the outside. So Brock Lesnar, he takes Undertaker to Suplex City, hits a pair of German suplexes, which, again, that's Ugh. not something you typically see the Undertaker taking here. 
But no. uh, Lesnar protects him about as well as he can here, especially knowing that the Undertaker is, is out of it. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, both men are just exhausted, though. They're, they're laying out on the mat. This fight is taking everything out of them. They're selling big time. Um, Heyman's hyping up Brock. Brock gets up and stomps on Undertaker in the corner some more. And Lesnar! We said Taker made the old reliable mistake. Lesnar makes the mistake we've seen mm-hmm. in like 140 matches here. Mm-hmm. Um, he goes for 10 punches in the corner. But you know you do that on the Undertaker. He's going to lift you up even if he's exhausted. It's WrestleMania. He's lifting you up and he's hitting the last ride on you. Yeah, but he's, exactly. he's too spent to go for the cover. You know what? If you want to do 10 punches on Taker, why don't you just get on the bottom row? Ground and pound, man. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Just really low yeah. two punches. Mm, there you come go. On, don't ever go over the middle rope, man. Come on. He's going to slay you. But, yeah, you're right. He hits that last ride and um, out of the corner, and he struggles so hard to get up. And he finally gets up and gets Brock up. He's going to go for a tombstone. And he actually hits one. It's not, it's not beautiful. But uh, he goes for the classic pin, and Brock kicks out at two. And Heyman just has this huge evil grin. Cheshire cat like come across his face and uh Taker sits up and of course Heyman's mood changes completely. Taker gets up and does a throat slash and goes for another tombstone, but Brock slips out and I'll let you take it from here. Brock Lesnar gets the Undertaker up on his shoulders for a third F five. He goes for the cover. I don't want to say it, man. I don't want to do it. I don't want to do it. <laughs> the ref counts one. The ref counts two, and the referee counts to three. As Michael Cole says, the streak is over. All right, Brock Lesnar counter! Brock Lesnar counter! Lesnar counter! He's got Undertaker over his shoulders again! Not again! Going for a triple! A third and five! Undertaker! Brock Lesnar into the cover! Hooks the line! The streak! And Paul Heyman immediately jumps into the ring with this look of shock on his face 
as he falls to his knees telling Lesnar, you did it, you did it, you did it. And just a masterful touch after this, Brock Lesnar's music doesn't play immediately as the Superdome has gone into this shocked silence and the camera pans around seeing it's got to be the record for the most recognizable crowd shots of people mm-hmm. reacting, dude. You get the bug-eyed guy, which is, like, the most famous one. Uh, you get the guy just, like, rubbing his hands all the way down his face, yep. which is like another meme that people use. I mean, so many. And it's because they're genuine reactions. Right, and you don't get a lot of those especially not in 2014 when people are a little more worried about the moves and they're not as worried about the character and they're not as invested in a particular character. They just want to be entertained. This is a genuine genuine reaction from 70,000 people plus the millions and millions of us watching at home. I mean, I remember I was watching it by myself and I was shocked. I was like, what just happened, man? Like, I, I could not believe it. Um, because that Taker was right, man. Death taxes in the streak, man. They're, they're they're forever. You can't beat them. Um, I was genuinely surprised. And again, you don't get a lot of those in wrestling. And so that's one thing. On on one hand, I'm like, man, Vince is a genius for getting a genuine reaction from a crowd, doing something huge on the biggest show in history. The first show on the network, trying to get something that people are going to talk about, something you can play on ESPN, something you can talk about, and, you know, just water cooler talk, I guess you could say. Because, um, and again, again, building up Brock, you know, as this unstoppable monster after you kind of, you know, spit on that for the last two years. But I, 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 I'm speechless right now, think, trying to think about what to say, man. It's just, it was shocking. It really was. So at our, WrestleMania party, you know, we had like yeah. 10 or 12 people over there and um you know, we had a a crew that would watch Monday Night Raw every week of, of five or six people, are pretty hardcore fans, but WrestleMania a bunch of casual fans and sure. friends would come over and you know, it was a party. Like we would just we watch the show, but you know, sometimes we'd half pay attention to it. We're talking over it, people are eating, you know, other conversations like going on. Yeah, um so this match is going on and I kind of said on here before, I, I kind of was not really into Undertaker's matches during this point in time because it, it was just, it was a given. You know, Undertaker's going to win. Like, even against Brock Lesnar, it's it's 100%. You, I bet $1,000 on it that, that he would win this night. Yeah, oh, F5, kick out, F5, kick out. So we're just like, everybody's just kind of talking through this match. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden... We all just kind of like look at the TV and like everybody's conversation stops and we're like, what, what, huh? Did they, did they botch that? Was that supposed to happen? Right. Did like, was he not supposed to count to three? Well, they're going right. to, they're going to send Teddy Long out or they're going to send Triple H out and say they have to restart the match. Like they, they got to do something. I can't believe they botched the finish like this. And then it just keeps going on and they, nobody comes out. And then they finally play Brock Lesnar's music. And then they throw up the 21 and 1 mm-hmm. graphic on the screen. And it's just unheard of. And actually, as this is going on, as this moment of shock is going on, I get a knock on my front door. And I've actually got 
um, to not even friends. They're like acquaintances um, that are coming that I knew through somebody else that are coming to stay at my house that night because they're going to the Masters tournament in Augusta that week. Uh, and so, you know, I had, you know, through a friend of a friend, I'd offered up, you know, my guest room for them to stay because, you know, if you're not in Augusta, it's just, you know, the, the, the room rates are out of control. It's crazy during it's, Masters Week. It's, yeah, it's, it's absolutely chaotic. insane. These two guys, not wrestling fans, and they just walk into this room of a dozen people just like <laughs> in shock, like sad, like almost crying, like with just all the color out of our faces. Like, well, uh, hey, uh, I mean, yeah, yeah, we're having a party for WrestleMania, but The Undertaker just lost. And it's like somebody, yeah. something died. The streak literally died. And it was just like the most awkward time for these guys That's... who didn't understand to walk in on this. It's such a weird first impression on these guys. But Yeah, uh, that's so yeah. strange, man. But, man, it's just, it's so, like, again, I said, on one hand, I think it's genius because you get an actual reaction out of people. Nobody called that. On the other hand, it's evil because it's like, that's why Vince is an evil genius. It's evil because it's like, why did you take that from us, Vince? Like, that was the one thing we got. Yeah, maybe we took it for granted, like you were saying. Maybe you did. Like, But it was also something I looked forward to. How is he going to defeat, defend the streak? How is he going to? beat him what lengths will he go to because we've seen him really be pushed to the limit you know and he was pushed to the limit this night you know and it was like like you said i thought they botched the ending man and then like until that 21 and one came up i was like man i don't know is this real is it not and again you don't get many things especially in this pg era watered down uh product that we got you don't get many things that you can't call or you can't see coming or they get you an actual emotional heartfelt reaction and um yeah you so can't even, them for you can't doing even that. process it like you're not no. even uh i don't i guess for me i know some people were mad but i wasn't even like mad it was just like genuine shock like like the faces mm-hmm. that they show in the crowd in the arena but that's exactly why they do it here on this night exactly it's, it's the launch of the wwe network it's been 27 years since Andre got slammed by Hulk yes. Hogan. And what's the one WrestleMania moment that everyone talked about before that night? It's that. And mm-hmm. I think Vince was thinking that was 23 uh, or, or 27 years ago. I can't just live on that forever. Right. I need to create a moment for this new generation. And he looked mm-hmm. at his roster and he said, that's the one. And maybe he heard yep. Paul Heyman say that in that promo on Monday night, and maybe that's where he started thinking, okay, what if, what if, what if we did that? What if right. we got that reaction? And it's probably even better than he could have even imagined that people would have this reaction of shock, this genuine reaction, which you just don't get in wrestling in 2014. Uh, and it's you know it's incredible, and it, and it builds Brock Lesnar in theory, into something otherworldly. It gives him the biggest rub of all time. And that's one of the reasons why people hate this, is because you could give this rub to a young guy, you could give this rub to someone, uh, you know, to to anyone. You could shoot anybody to the moon by having them be the guy to beat the streak. And people think, they gave it to Brock Lesnar? He doesn't need that. 
But giving it to Brock Lesnar turns him into just a star, into like, turns him into Andre the Giant, turns him Mm -hmm. into a phenom, turns him into something larger than life. And to this day, they're still using him and making money off of him because of this moment. Yep, exactly. Like it or not. Exactly. And it's just at this point, it's it's in the past, so you just have to accept it, you know. And um, you know, and, and we know from the last ride docu series that um, this was apparently decided upon and, and relayed to the Undertaker and and Heyman and and Brock uh, just a mere hours before the show, right? I mean, Taker says that's one of the last things, and he says, you know, um, are you sure you want to do this, boss? And he said, yeah. And he said, oh, okay, which again just shows that he's not. Um, he's, he's not a mark for this. He does what's best for business. He is a business guy. He's, he's Vince's rock, man. He is not the rock. He's Vince's rock in the company and he'll do what Vince wants to do for business. He didn't get all tizzied up about it. Like, no, I mean, you can't beat me. Like, he's like, all right, I see where you want to go. Let's do it. You know, like, I mean, even if he didn't agree, he was just like, sure, let's go. And I think that speaks volumes to the guy that we've come to know and love over 166 episodes, you know, um, just again, because I love punk. You loved punk back then, but what did he do he when he didn't out. get his way? He took his ball and he went home and you huh. know, it's so many guys to totally Hogan, Austin, Austin, Austin yeah. did it. Yeah. Hogan constantly does it. Bret Hart still whines about stuff. Now, like who doesn't whine about anything? Mm. This yeah. guy right here. That's right. it. Him and Kane probably don't mind. There's only two guys. And he could mind. have. Taker could have yeah. said, no, I'm not losing it. Yeah. I'm never losing it. And Vince would have been like, okay. But yep. he did it. He did the thing here. Uh, like it or not, and there always will be controversy about it. But, um, you know, they do an in- incredible job of pointing to the importance of this as um, the announcers say they're speechless and that The Undertaker has finally been proven as mortal uh jbl says i guess fairy tales do end and uh that was legit that's him like he didn't know like all yeah all those guys yeah they're in shock all their reactions are real and he goes from jbl to the whatever his real name is i don't even know what his real name is he's had to mean names in john layfield (laughs) he goes from jbl to to john layfield because he's like that's his friend he's in his wedding you know like He's he can't even separate the the kayfabe from the non at this point. He's like I don't like you can hear it in his voice. It changes, man, and like that was so to me epic to to hear and listen back to when I went back and watched it this time. So um, I don't know, just yeah. Really, really well, cool. you see all the announced crews at ringside, all three of the announce tables. They mm-hmm. all stand up and give Undertaker a standing ovation, which is. Mm-hmm. spontaneous too uh, and I don't think I've ever seen that before as the whole crowd starts to do it the entire Superdome is applauding the dead man and I mm-hmm. think they're all thinking what we're all thinking at home too this is quite likely not just the end of the streak this is probably the end of the Undertaker's career because mm-hmm. it's been said in promos before this and we all just kind of assumed if he ever loses the streak that's where does he go from that? That's it, it. Is there Undertaker after that? Probably not. 
it's WrestleMania 30. What better way to go out if you're gonna if you're gonna lose it? That's the that's the one to end it on is WrestleMania 30. So you are all thinking that as Undertaker makes that long walk up the ramp that we never thought we'd see him Mm-mm. take as the announcers put him over and we hear his music playing. Yeah, and you know Michael Cole says this is a, it's a sullen moment right now, but we're gonna celebrate this man and uh, his music finally hits. Like you said, he's walking up the ramp and. Uh, uh, it's uh, not. I wrote the wrong name in my notes here, but I think it's Michael Gold says it's the greatest streak in all of history. And King says that we just witnessed the end of an era. And JBL just says, and again, he goes, "I love that guy." Like he again, he can't separate the the story from uh, the real life at this point because he's, I mean, blown away. I, I I wonder how hot he got backstage when these guys got back. Like like like, were, do you think they were hot events or like you know like or. Probably not because Taker's like, I'm cool with it, you know, but I don't know. I, I, uh, I just well, wonder what their personal opinions were. I, I, I would guess it was kind of like ours. I think probably, they yeah, were exactly. probably just in shock at everything yeah. and had a hard time processing it. And then probably even more in shock when they see what happens when Undertaker walks through the curtain here. Exactly. Because as we know from the last ride, uh, we there have been rumors of it, but... um. Uh, you know, we saw in the last ride, a docu series that he, I mean, he walked through and collapsed, and um, Vince is like, "I get aim, or can I get some some help here?" And uh, long story short, Taker winds up going in an ambulance to the local medical facility slash hospital, and Vince goes with him. I mean, he rides. I think it, uh, Michelle said in like a, a black SUV behind him. Right, he pulls up right behind him at the ambulance or at the uh, hospital, and. Again, let's set the stage for you here. This is, like you said, the biggest night in history, and that's not that's not Tony Schiavoneism. That's the, hmm. like this is the biggest night besides WrestleMania one probably in the whole company. And Vince left the show. There's two matches left. There's a Divas match that he couldn't care less about. There's a main event with his son, with I mean, with with Daniel Bryan about to be crowned, a big moment, and uh, he leaves because. None of that matters compared to his relationship with this guy right here, who just put it all on the line for him, and he's going to go make sure he's okay. And that again, we talked about the relationship between those two guys in the docu series and how great it was to see that. So, well, six years later, watching this match back, um, you know, we, we we've talked about it quite a bit here, but but how would you wrap it up? I mean, what's your What's your rating on this match? I mean, how do you look back on it? You personally, in hindsight, was it the right decision? Was it the wrong decision? Uh, what's your thoughts now? Okay, personally, I never wanted to see the streak in, but um, that doesn't matter now. It's over. So, you know, I, I can take it off the table. I remember talking to you the next day and being like, asking your thoughts and like I've told you like I, I'm not mad about it like people are online but like I didn't really quite get it but if you're going to have anybody any anybody the most legitimate guy you can have is going to be Brock Lesnar you know and so it's not a five-star classic but I think this match told a great story I really do I know some people criticize it it's kind of slow and plodding and Taker looks old in it that was the story of it you know I like that going back and watching it. I think it's got a phenomenal ending. Uh, it took three F5s, and it just, again, it's genuine shock and surprise, and you don't get that in wrestling. So I uh, 
again, I wouldn't have done it, but it's it happened, and you know, I'm not mad about it. Um, I don't like, yeah, I don't know. I'm just rambling now, but like, I just don't. Um, it's great. It's just not what I would have chosen, but it's still great. I think so, as far as the reaction. How about you? I actually thought this was a much better match than I remembered because yeah. uh, you know mm-hmm. the big story about it is Undertaker's concussion, and I, me personally. I had a hard time being able to tell he was concussed because of the story that they were telling. Like you, sure. it's just, it's amazing to me that he was able to do that at the age he was at suffering a concussion to tell that, to do that match, to do any match after that is incredible. And I, I think if you remove your feelings about the ending of the match, which is hard to do, right. uh, I do think it tells an, an incredible story. It's, mm-hmm. It's sort of the Rocky Four story where Ivan yes. Drago kills Apollo Creed, and um, Dra- or Drago is Lesnar, uh, which is perfect. Uh, yeah. <laughs> he kills yeah. the Undertaker, and I, the only thing that kind of sucks in hindsight is that we never really got Rocky getting revenge for Apollo right. Creed, as far as the WWE goes. Like their guy was going to be Roman Reigns, and it just didn't work out that way with him and Brock Lesnar. He was never never quite killed him. And Lesnar has lost you know, to Seth Rollins and, and to Drew McIntyre and, and Goldberg even, but it never quite gave... I, you know, I thought back at this time, Lesnar's going to go on this six or seven year run and they're going to give a young guy that rub over him. And, and they've tried... But I don't feel like it's ever had the impact and quite been what they wanted ever since it failed with Roman Reigns the first time back at WrestleMania 32 after this. Um, You know, I just – it could have been awesome, and and I still love the idea of it. And uh, I think it was a bold decision to do it, and I'm in favor of doing it. And I know that's blasphemous to a lot of our listeners, um, and and I respect that. You know, it would have been awesome if the street could have lived forever, but I don't think Undertaker is that kind of guy. Like, I think he believes exactly. you put you put the next generation over. And Lesnar, he might have been older, but he was the next generation. He's the guy that's going to carry WrestleMania for the next six years. He's going to be the draw. Mm-hmm. He's going to be the attraction. So, um, e- even in loss, Undertaker just continues to be the most awesome guy just a guy worthy of respect and, and just of awe that he's willing to go out and do that when he could have just said no and could have continued being immortal but it, it makes you mm-hmm. love him and respect him even more exactly that's what i got out of it man perfectly said so well i don't know if we can say anything else about this match but why don't we go uh to the to the twitter machine and the social media accounts and see what our fans have to say because that this one I mentioned before we even uh, started recording that I feel like we got more response and activity on this match than we have in anything in a long time. Well, this match obviously strikes a nerve in people even six years later. It's a bone of contention. So we thank all of you for reaching out to us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at Talking Taker to give us your thoughts on it. I'm going to try to run through them here because I know we've already had quite the episode, but uh, Rachel Struck said she was stunned, sat in front of my computer with my mouth wide open, shaking my head back and forth, yeah. going, no, no, no. 
uh, Princeton John, who just received his special uh, one of one talking taker mug uh, in the mail. Yeah. Very special gift for being on the Thunderdome. Yeah, he said he didn't know this was a thing. And Princeton John, it's not a thing. That's your thing, buddy. That is a one of a kind just for you, pal. Thanks for being on the Thunderdome with our uh, talking taker t shirt. We appreciate it, man. He said he was silent for the longest time, completely frozen with my jaw dropped, could not believe it, always thought the streak would end by a young up-and-coming superstar who mm-hmm. needed it, not part-time Brock Lesnar who didn't need it, just stunned. Uh, Zach, Zach L217, said, living in a house full of non-wrestling fans, experiencing all that together, it was like time stood still for a few minutes <laughs> and nothing seemed real to anyone due to either them understanding the magnitude of what just happened or the expression on my face. Uh, Rich, Richard Query said, very much a jaw to the floor moment. The downturn said, just shocked, to be honest. Took me a long time to really sink in. It was a weird kind of holy bleep moment. Yeah. David Joquai said, the moment didn't feel real. 21 and 1 flashed above quickly, but was removed. So it felt like a mistake. But I was up from my seat, as were many in the Superdome. So David was there. And he said, awesome. uh, the 21-1 appeared again and reality set in. You could hear a pin drop, even though uh, it, was, it was unlike anything I've ever felt. Uh, Spencer Hunt was also there. Said he thought, like everyone in the crowd, that Chad Patton messed up the count. And I've never been in a room with 70,000 people in total silence. The most surreal feeling of all time. People left. Mouths stayed open. Never experienced anything like it. Won't ever forget it. Uh, People left. Wow, yeah. that's interesting to hear. Shane Carnahan said, uh, I was in the Army when this happened, so I didn't watch it live. Found out about it on my phone the next morning, and I couldn't believe it, but at the same time was not really that surprised. Uh, Jamar said, still think Taker should have remained undefeated at WrestleMania, and the matches that followed did not have the same aura to them as previous years. I think that's definitely true. Sure, yeah. Um, let's see... I think Vince knew that, and he was willing to gamble on that anyway for that big WrestleMania moment like you were right. talking about. So, Evan John 97 said, The dumbest booking decision Vince ever made in his entire life. Whew. Harsh. Wow. That's bold. <laughs> uh, Randy Turco, he, he said Probably a little bit good. about it on his... <laughs> that's not really a booking decision. <laughs> uh, <laughs> what about... Um, Jinder Mahal's world champion. I mean, I uh, Randy, we we had him as our guest last week. Very fun, special watch along. Finally got to have Randy on the show, so go back and listen to that if you haven't yet. He kind of repeats some of the stuff he said last week. Said, my friends and I were mid-chat when it ended, kind of like us. Said, yeah. didn't feel it coming. Tried my best to keep my reaction internal as a guest at a friend's house, but my emotions slowly started to leak out. This is all Taker fans had! And I said to this day, WrestleMania 30 DVDs are not allowed in his house. (laughs) Um, And uh, then I did get a, we got a Facebook comment from Mark Short. Said breaking up the streak was wrong, losing it to Lesnar even more wrong. So it seems like more people than not didn't like that decision. Uh, but there were uh, there were 
uh, a few who did like it, and one of those is Watch Along Tommy, Watch Along Wrestling. We've been letting him close out the comments the past few weeks. Uh, he's had these direct mm-hmm. stories with him, and he's got another one here. Um, I think I think he might be earning himself a guest spot on the show sometime. I think we might have to have him join us for some sort of Watch Along before we wrap things up, Travis. But he says... Uh, WrestleMania 30 was great. New Orleans was probably the best city for wrestling because of Bourbon Street. And there's just so much fun there, uh, including getting beads thrown us by Finley and Sheamus and having a beer with nasty boy Brian Nobbs, which I need. I just need full detail on that story uh, right yeah. there. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Uh, but Tommy has sort of said uh, in other comments that he was rooting for the streak to be broken year after year he was one of the rare guys that was against the streak and he actually thought though that brock was the one guy who had no chance to beat the undertaker but his wife on the other hand who had gotten into wrestling through total divas uh was a huge wrestler wow that happens it does happen uh my wife loved Total Divas the first couple seasons. Um, yeah, but it didn't lead her into becoming a wrestling fan. I mean, I'm, no. I, that's the thing I'm saying. Like, I understand yeah. people love the reality show part, but like, that, that led them into wrestling. That, sure. to me, is dumbfounding. <laughs> that's amazing. Well, she said she, he said she called it. She said Brock Lesnar was the guy. They needed to have him as a legit main eventer, and they couldn't have him lose to this old man, The Undertaker. So she called it. And uh, Tommy says, when it finally happened, I couldn't believe it. It felt like something went wrong. Time stood still. And as the 21 and 1 came up on the screen, my wife let out a big, I told you so. And uh, he lost it. He said he wanted someone uh, to beat the streak so bad from Edge and HBK and Hunter and Triple H. And he said he was celebrating while all this shock was going down, celebrating so hard that this guy at the end of their row had to scream at him uh, to sit the heck down because this ain't funny. (laughs) Try to start a fight with him, man. (laughs) He said grown men were crying and people left WrestleMania early. And uh, he felt so so bad for AJ Lee and the people in the next match because the crowd Mm. was just going nuts and booing loudly throughout all of it. But he calls it a top live moment from him. And absolutely sure. the right call as they created an unstoppable main eventer. And Lesnar was responsible for getting over Roman Reigns, Seth Rollins, Braun Strowman, Drew McIntyre, and so many overs, others over the past few years. So I think that's a perfect one to end on because it tells you the two sides of the fans' uh, reactions yeah. to this. Uh, I think more people are in favor of not ending the streak and will argue that. Sure. But Tommy makes a great argument for the why it did happen here. So appreciate that, Tommy. Uh, you guys can keep giving us our comments. You know where to find us. Uh, Thomas Rodriguez, I'm sure you will say something very negative <laughs> about it, man. <laughs> we love having you. Yeah, we I'm love happy. having you along. And uh, we love letting that emotion out, baby. Uh, let oh, it yeah. out, man. Tell us how you feel. Uh, and we will keep rolling, rolling, rolling on to the last ride, getting closer and closer week after week as The Undertaker. We don't know what's going to happen. He lost at WrestleMania. Is he dead? Is he gone? Or will Bray Wyatt pull him back in to WrestleMania 31? We're going to cover that shocking match and build up next week as The Undertaker looks to make a comeback at WrestleMania 31. 
exactly. If you were there, well, we just heard from a lot of you who were there. But if you were also there, and keep it coming. Reveal some stories. Yeah. yeah, keep them coming. We'd love to hear that because, again, I mentioned aside from his debut, maybe the debut of Kane, uh, the biker taker. This is the biggest like moment, like big, you know, like big, big, big moment in his career. So uh, we'd love to hear more reactions and stuff. So thank you guys for all. Of your in, of your interactivity with us for for this particular one, we we love it. And again, if you were there in the Superdome, reach out to us. Enjoy your uh, your glass, um, Princeton John. And ladies and gentlemen, stay safe out there. And most importantly, take her easy. He went out like a warrior, just like you'd expect. I think right now is. About to take a walk that he never thought would happen. And he's walking with his head held high. Guys, it's like the man that he is. Guys, it's a sewing moment right now in the Superdome, but there's no doubt at the end of the day, we are going to celebrate. We are going to celebrate what the Undertaker has accomplished in this history here. That is a giant in the WWE. The greatest performer in WrestleMania history. The Gunslinger's leaving town. The greatest streak in all of history. The leader of WWE for so many years. Went down swinging tonight at WrestleMania. Congratulations to Brock Lesnar. My ultimate respect. To the Undertaker. I feel like we just witnessed the end of an era. Well, I love that guy. What an honor to be here.